RetroSeasons.com for more sports history. On October 21, 1976, the Cincinnati Reds visited the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium for Game 4 of the 1976 World Series. The Reds were going for the sweep, leading the series three games to none. And this is the CBS radio broadcast of Game 4, featuring announcers Marty Brenneman and Wynn Elliott. From Yankee Stadium in New York, CBS Radio Sports presents the fourth game of the 1976 World Series on the CBS Radio Network and around the world through the American Forces Radio. Hello everybody, Wynn Elliott here along with Marty Brennan and Brent Musburger getting set for game number four on a cold to cool evening between the National League champions, the Cincinnati Reds, and the American League champions, the New York Yankees. The broadcast sponsored by Pace CB. Pace gives you the world by the ears. A Nano Radar Range Microwave Oven. Budget Rent-A-Car in their 1,000 locations worldwide. The Brewers of Budweiser, King of Beers, Remington Chainsaws, and by Buick Motor Division. Stadium, full house naturally. The opposing pitchers for the Reds, Gary Nolan, for the Yankees, Ed Figueroa. One difference tonight, a swirling, capricious wind. A wind that starts from the plate, heads out to left field, skirts around the outfield, comes to the right field foul pole, and seemingly comes back. And what it's going to do in between, nobody seems to know, including a guy who's been here at Yankee Stadium for years, catcher Yogi Berra. It's foolish to see the wind blowing that way is actually blowing the other way sometimes. Uh, it does that. The only thing I think maybe catching the ball do funny thing back here, the ball will come back to you here more instead of overrunning it. Can you ever remember a funny thing that ever happened to you like that? Yeah, Reynolds an old hitter. Ted <laughs> <laughs> Williams was at bat. Yogi dropped it, but on the next pitch, fortunately for both Reynolds and Yogi, Ted Williams fouled at the exact same spot. The wind was kind to Yogi, and he caught it. Well, more of our pregame activities, the wind and the play, after this message. Kelly Springfield radial tires proving themselves on the narrow winding cobblestone streets for the punishing autobahns. Kelly Springfield tires have won over Europe's drivers with their year-round all-weather performance. In 76 countries on five continents, Kelly Springfield tires are quality leaders. Now, in America, Kelly Springfield announces an incredible new tire cord, Aramid Plus, as strong as steel with less weight. Tire cord is one of the many factors that affect performance, quality, and strength. Put this fiber in a radial tire, and it'll ride smoother than a steel-dumped radial tire. Aramid Plus, a step ahead of steel. Kelly Springfield. Tires that make a world of difference. You talk about the cold, you're not talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Red hot, they've taken the first three games, and I suspect Brent Munzberger, that down in the red side of the dugout, they're pretty certain about tonight. They have been extremely confident all along, Win Elliott, and it is so interesting that during the day when there was no World Series, meaning yesterday because of the rain here in New York City, Sparky Anderson entertained the press by comparing the Cincinnati Reds with the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers, and you know who came out the best, at least in Anderson's opinion. He's hoping for a sweep, and he wants people to walk away 
saying that the Cincinnati Reds are as good or better than any team that ever played this game. I don't think anybody can blame him for that. Of course, he admits, as uh, most athletes and observers do, that it's very difficult to compare teams, horses, or whatever of, of different eras. I think it would be fair to say that the Reds are as good or better than anybody since the expansion era. Whether they would match up with the teams of the previous eras, uh, who is there to say? Because nobody comes back. Or at least uh, I haven't heard that they do. Well, we're about to get going here with game four, and uh, we'll have more to say about that, of course, in just a moment. Sports 2, every Wednesday in the Bergen Record. It's the latest news on your favorite recreation and participant sports. It highlights on people, places, and events, starting in lifestyle sports, plus a complete listing of specialized local events. Watch for it in the Bergen Record. And if you want to stay on top of those important local and pro scores, call the record sports lines for high school and college scores in the Bergen County area. It's 646-4470. That's 646-4470 for updated reports 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And to catch up on the pros, the number is 646-4400. 646-4400 for the scores of college and pro events. Follow the record daily and Sunday for expert sports coverage and opinion that takes you behind the scenes where the action starts. And don't forget to call Sportsline when you want to know who the winners are. The Bergen Record, New Jersey's largest evening newspaper. Depend on it. Beyond the pitching, the hitting, and the fielding, the one thing I've indicated, Brent, may be the wind. And I saw the Cincinnati Reds in batting practice just a moment ago, and I asked a couple of them, how about the wind? First they went to Tony Perez, and then Pete Rose. Tony? Oh, well, you got to hit it good because it's a long way, but I think the ball going pretty good. I, I hit a couple of balls out here in batting practice, and I yeah, but you got to hit it real good because it's a long way, I think. Pete, did you say the ball came? Well, when it's been carrying left field, Perez did a couple over at 387 mark, but uh, he always carries good batting press because he's kind of trying to ride in there, but uh, it's not stinging as much tonight. It's not quite as cold. That's how the Reds feel about the win. Brett, what about in the Yankee dugout and their confidence? You know, when no team has ever come back in a World Series, trailing three games to oh, to win it. But there's one thing about the New York Yankees. They've always had pride, and that's what I talked to Greg Nettles about. I have pride in myself as a player and uh, as a team player, and I like I like to us, the Yankees, to show a little better than we have the first three games. I think we're just going to have to try to get a couple early breaks and take advantage of them. When these, this club over here, since Andy gets a break, they take advantage of it, and bam, bam, they score a couple runs. But we just we haven't been taking advantage of the few breaks we've been getting. Greg, can you put your finger on why you haven't played as well as a team as you did during the season? Well, I don't know. You know, it's only been three games, and, you know, we three game, you go into a three-game slump in the middle of the season, uh, nobody noticed to be doing a World Series, and it's there for everybody to see. But we just, you know, we've fallen behind early in LA games, and we haven't been able to play our aggressive running game. So maybe if we can get the lead early today or keep them scoreless for a few innings, then we can uh, play the kind of game we've played all year. When I think that Nettles last year between Boston and Cincinnati was so much more exciting. But remember that the Red Sox jumped out ahead of Cincinnati, and the Reds were always coming from behind. In this series so far, Cincinnati's gone to the front, and the Yankees haven't been able to apply the pressure. Right, Brent? As for that, we'll return in one minute. Every mile you drive with an inefficient, dirty carburetor can cost you money. New Bardo fuel system treatment can help clean up your dirty carburetor. There's more to the story than that. Listen. Sounds awful, right? 
Intake valve deposits may be causing loss of power and even damaged valves. Barnold Fuel System treatment helps prevent intake valve deposit buildup. It may save you a trip to the repair shop. Winter weather can lead to an iced-up carburetor and cause your car to stall. Barlow Fuel System Treatment can help prevent carburetor icing and could save you from a walk in the cold. Here's the best part. Barlow Fuel System Treatment is safe for use with catalytic converters. And when you buy three cans of new fuel system treatment, we'll give you a dollar cash refund. Pick up an official coupon at a participating retailer. Supply proof of purchase, and Barlow will mail you your dollar. Barlow. Run with us. And so we're moments away from the opening game. Brent Musburger and Wynn Elliott here. If I may, before we leave, an old Baltimore Orioles fan with the name of Ogden Nash and Charlie Osgood, the poet laureate of the CBS Radio Night Network, might have said, for the Yanks, is the night before tomorrow, of which there'll be none if the Reds put this one in the column Mark wants. For the Reds, it'll be their first ever. They've won in four. For the Yanks, the bigger poet. Wynn Elliott, Brent Musburger, the series in a moment on the CBS Radio Network. For the latest news on your favorite recreation and participant sports, watch for Sports 2 every Wednesday in the Bergen Record. Sports 2 highlights the people, places, and events making news in lifestyle sports, hunting, biking, or bird watching. Whatever your pleasure is, it's sure to appear in Sports 2 where the emphasis is on you. Sports 2 is just part of the way the Bergen Record stays on target with the local sports scene. The record gives Bergen County High School and area college events the same hard-hitting reporting and comment that they do the pros. Plus, special features and columns that take you beyond the playing field to where the action starts. Watch the record sports pages from Mike Farber, Vinny Detrani, Bob Curland, and the rest of the team daily and Sunday for all the sports, local and pro. And don't forget the record's weekly participant sports section, Sports 2, every Wednesday. To get in on the action, call 646-4270 for home delivery of the Bergen Record. That's 646-4270 for New Jersey's largest evening newspaper. Depend on it. Hello again, where CBS Radio Sports is pleased to present the fourth game of the World Series between the Cincinnati Reds and the New York Yankees. I'm Elliot with Marty Butterman, or Win Elliot with Marty Brenneman, as we're just about ready to get underway. You can hear the New York Yankees being introduced, and the Yankee fans, although they know their team is down, 3-zip, have not lost faith nor enthusiasm white, flat, pinstripe Yankees, and each of them as they come out regular and substitute alike is getting the big hand as you hear in the background. The Reds already have been introduced and thoroughly booed are standing on the sidelines to the left, waiting the appearance of the entire Yankee team, which now puts out of the dugout to place itself, position itself along the first baseline, and that is the the scene here at the new Yankee Stadium in what may be the last of this 1976 World Series play. The umpires have also come out on the field. And now we are about to hear the national anthem sung for us by musician Seaman Robert Johnson of the United States Navy. Seaman Johnson has performed as a guest vocalist with symphony orchestras around the world in his travels with the Navy. He will be assisted tonight 
by Navy musicians Michael Levy and Chester A. King, both on snare drum. Ladies and gentlemen, now to honor America, our national anthem. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes on the bright stars through the peril of fight. For the run that we watched were so gallantly streaming And the rockies reclared the bumpers sing in the air Gave proof to the night that our flag was to get a new muffler. The last thing you want to get is a surprise with a final bill. So Midas presents the price quote that sticks. It's our Midas free written estimate and it's one of a kind. Before we ever lift a wrench, we show you on paper exactly what parts you'll need and exactly what it will cost. And the finished job will never cost you one penny more. At Midas, we haven't just been building business for 20 years. We've been building trust. For mufflers or shocks, come to Midas. We're specialists. We have to do a better job. World Series time means cold weather and time to start piling up that firewood. It's an easy job with a Remington gas or electric chainsaw. Lightweight, powerful, and available in assorted sizes, they'll do just about any cutting job. So after the game, drop by your nearest Remington dealer and ask him to show you one of the many value-packed Remington chainsaws. A Mighty Mike gasoline starting at $104.95 or the popular Lehman Trim Electric for as low as $29.95. Cutting wood? Think about Remington, the chainsaw in a class by itself. As the field is being cleared and the usual confrontation between Yogi Berra, who's handing in the lineup tonight for the Yankees and Captain Pete Rose for the rest, let's set the umpires for you. The American League's Bill Deegan will be at the plate. First base, National League, Lee Wyeth. Third base, Bruce Froeming of the National League. They're in the dark uniforms. Lou Jamuro will be along the left field line in the Crimson of the American League. Second base, American League, Dave Phillips. And the right field, the National League's Billy Williams. As for the actual lineups, coming to bat in the top half of the first inning, the visiting and so far winning Cincinnati Reds, Pete Rhodes, third base, Ken Griffey, right field, Joe Morgan, second base, Tony Perez, first base, designated hitter Dan Dreesen, George Foster, the left fielder, John Bench, the catcher, 
Cesar Geronimo, the center fielder, and Dave Concepcion, the shortstop. And for the New York Yankees, Mickey Rivers, center fielder, will bat first. Roy White from left field. Sarman Munson, the catcher. Chris Chambliss, first base. Carlos May, the designated hitter. Greg Nettles, third base. Oscar Gamble in right field. Willie Randolph, second base. Red Stanley, shortstop. And Ed Figueroa, never before in a World Series, will be the pitcher for the New York Yankees. Ceremonies down on the field, the throwing in of the first ball, the ceremonial toss by none other than Mel Allen, the voice of the Yankees for 25 years. Mel, who worked in this stadium, or at least the old stadium, throws it into Thurman Munson and gets it back. Mel, who originated the phrase, going, going, gone, who at one time broadcast the games of both the New York Giants and the New York Yankees. By way of Alabama, then soap opera radio, Mel was a fundamental announcer in the business when he went into sports, his first love. And he had been the voice of the Yankees for 25 solid years. And there he is, down in the stands, by Commissioner Bowie Kuhn and Joe Reichler as they went their way to the seats. And Mel had already thrown the ball out to Thurman Munson. And you'll hear the roar as the Penn Stripers take the field for do or die. Figueroa on the season, 19 and 9. No starts in a World Series, of course. It's the biggest moment in his life. He appeared in the playoffs against the Kansas City Royals. He wasn't there at game's end. He has a variety of pitches. He's steady, cool, and very, very popular here in New York. Occasionally, you will hear in the background the chant, Eddie, Eddie, identifying the crowd's identification with Eddie Figueroa. A chant that came by way of Madison Square Garden, originally used in connection with the New York Ranger goaltender by the name of Eddie Jockelman, who was traded to the Detroit Red Wings. And upon his return to home ice, or what had been his home ice for so many years, the crowd would greet him, and occasionally through the game, as he would make a stop or two, would chant, Eddie, Eddie. And I think you'll probably hear that chant here tonight. And so Figueroa is taking his ceremonial warm-ups. It's not that cold, either that or the heaters are working that much better here in the box. At least I've taken the coat off that I wore the other night. It's 51 degrees, I understand. And waiting to take his place at the plate. It's the leadoff man for the Cincinnati Reds. Two out of ten so far. Batting 200, the third baseman, Mr. Charlie Hustle. Do you see the, there's a black hen down there in front of the Cincinnati dugout. He, he or she just fluttered out from the stands. I don't know if that has any significance at all. Is it a Cincinnati red mascot? I don't think it is, Wynn. If it is, it's news to me. Well, maybe it's supposed to be an omen of ill for the Cincinnati team. Maybe it came out of the stands tonight. So, as you've just heard, our cohort in the broadcast booth tonight, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, Marty Brenema. Thank you very much, Wynn Elliott, and good evening, everybody. Pete Rose leading it off for the Cincinnati Reds as Figueroa delivers. Rose bluffs a butt, and a backup ruling for third base umpire Lee Wire is that Rose did not offer it the pitch, so it's ball one, and the fourth game of the 76 World Series is underway. Rose, as Wynn mentioned, has had a couple of base hits. The right-hander Figueroa in with the next delivery, swung on, lined over third, fair ball down the left field line. And it bounces apparently up into the seats, which means that Pete Rose will be credited with a ground rule double as he rounds second base. 
The umpire along the left field line, Lou DeMuro, immediately indicated that the ball had bounced into the seats down the left field line. So Rose has opened this game with a big bang for Cincinnati as he jumps on Figueroa's first pitch and doubles out of the wrong barrel to left field. An inside-outside swing by Pete as he caught the outside pitch by Figueroa and Craig Nettles is in. I don't know if you can settle a guy down as a result of two pitches, but I guess he's telling him that, you know, there's nine innings to go, and let's stay right with Ken Griffey. So Pete Rose at second base with his third World Series of 76 hit, and all three have come here at Yankee Stadium. Left-handed batting Ken Griffey, the batter. He shortens up on the bat, drawing Nettles in and Shambles from the right side, and the strike one call at the knees. We talked about the trade that brought Figueroa and Mickey Rivers over to the New York Yankees prior to the beginning of the season for Bobby Bonds and the deal with the California Angels. He works to Griffey, swing and a miss. Figueroa with a quick no-ball, two-strike advantage here. Tremendous trade for New York because both of these guys had productive seasons, Figueroa winning 19, and of course Mickey Rivers considered by many to be Certainly a lead pipe, most valuable player candidate in the American League, along with a number of the other Yankee ball players. Check of Rose at second, the 0-2 pitch. Swung on, slow chopper will be foul off the first baseline. And as Griffey heads back toward the plate, Figueroa to the mound, we check New York defensively for you. At first base, Chris Shambliss. At second, Willie Randolph. The shortstop is Fred Stanley. Over at third base is Greg Nettles. The outfield from left to right, Roy White. Mickey Rivers, Oscar Gamble with Thurman Munson behind the plate. Rose is double to begin the game. A holding count of 0-2. Figueroa against Griffey as the right-hander fires. The pitch is low for a ball. Joe Morgan, the on-deck hitter for Cincinnati. And as Wynn mentioned, it is indeed do or die for the New York Yankees tonight. Three games have been played. The Reds have won all three. If they win tonight, they will be world champions back-to-back -back years. The first time in 54 seasons it has happened. A National League team winning back-to-back -back world titles. Ground ball hit the shortstop. They're going to have a play on Rose at third. They go to Nettles. He runs him back towards second and puts the tag on him. Griffey slips down. They've got him on the run down. Jambles to Randolph and he's up. taken by Stanley. He saw he had a chance with Rose at third. Got the throw to Nettles. Rose started back. Rose had a mind to keep hung up that he was motioning Griffey to keep going. Come on to second. Come on to second until I hang these guys up. Griffey, for some reason or another, stayed at first. Rose then slipped in the dirt. He was tagged out. The throw to Shambliss had Griffey caught, who also slipped, and eventually he was run down too. Double play. on the double play, and here's Joe Morgan with two outs, swinging and fouling on Figueroa's first offering. Now, quickly, the complexion changes. Gloom as a result of Rose's base hit down the left field line, and then a bit of skull work on the uh, bases, and the work tossing the ball around by the Yankees, and it's the Yankees in ascendancy. Morgan takes an extra giant outside, one and one to count. He's four for 12 in the series. As one of two, Cincinnati long ball struck. Danny Treason getting the other one here two nights ago. Morgan homering in the first inning of game one at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. 
Figueroa turning his back to the plate as he looks out towards spacious center field in Yankee Stadium. He's behind two balls and one strike. Morgan waiting on the pitch. He swings and grounds one to first. Shambliss bobbles momentarily. Now recovers and beats Morgan to the bag in a foot race. The first inning for the Cincinnati Reds. No runs, a hit. Nobody left on. And after a half inning of baseball, it's a Reds nothing. The Yankees are coming to bat. Every mile you drive with an inefficient, dirty carburetor can cost you money. New Bardo fuel system treatment can help clean up your dirty carburetor. There's more to the story than that. Listen. Sounds awful, right? Intake valve deposits may be causing loss of power and even damaged valves. Bardo fuel system treatment helps prevent intake valve deposit buildup. It may save you a trip to the repair shop. Winter weather can lead to an iced-up carburetor and cause your car to stall. Bardo fuel system treatment can help prevent carburetor icing and could save you from a walk in the cold. Here's the best part. Bardo fuel system treatment is safe for use with catalytic converters. And when you buy three cans of new fuel system treatment, we'll give you a dollar cash refund. Pick up an official coupon at a participating retailer. Supply proof of purchase, and Bardo will mail you your dollar. Bardo. Run with us. Still we wait for the Yankees in their first turn at bat here in game four. Marty, I'm not sure that there weren't a couple of errors of omission in that uh, peculiar base running by the uh, Reds. In the first place, when a ball is hit in front of you as the ball was hit in front of Rose, normally you don't try to go for the forward base. He did, however, and he was an easy out. He was an easy out eventually as he ran back towards second. He saw he had no chance to make third. He was coaching, waving his arms at Grippy to come up and take second. Uh, Ken, for some reason or other, because I wasn't watching him, did not do it. By that time, Rose had slipped and was tagged out. Then Griffey tried for a second. He slipped, and he was an easy uh, prey for Chris Jambliss, who in no sense is as fast a runner as uh, Griffey, but he got him by the shoulder as he went by him, and so there was that peculiar double play. So the Yankees come to bat now against right-hander Gary Nolan. The winning is pitcher on the Cincinnati staff, this native Californian in 1976. He was 15-9. Quite a story about this guy from Oroville, California. It was May 13th of 1974 that he underwent shoulder surgery in Los Angeles for the removal of a calcium spur in his right shoulder. And there were those who said Gary Nolan would never pitch again. Last year, he led this club in innings pitch. This season, he was a winningest pitcher on the Cincinnati staff. Nolan's ready to go to work against Mickey Rivers. A long shot, but foul to right field on Nolan's first delivery. That was the best hit that Mickey's had all series. He's had it rough going at the plate, and the numbers will tell you just that. Mickey's been to the plate 13 times. He's had only two hits. And Pete Rose is playing him exactly as he has played him through the three previous games, and that is very, very tight at third base. The strike one delivery is down and in for a ball, and the count evens at one ball and one strike. In addition to Rivers here in the Yankee first inning, we'll also take a look at Roy White and Thurman Munson. The Yankee fans are hoping many, many more will parade to the plate against right-hander Nolan. The 1-1 is on the way. That is taken just high and inside. So Nolan behind the left-handed batting center fielder. Two balls and one strike. The Yankees are a free-swinging ball club, and they better be just that against Gary Nolan because this is a guy who has some of the best control in baseball. He pops Rivers up on the left side. Concepcion over near third calling. He's got it. There's one away. Talk about Nolan's control during the 76th season. Gary Nolan issued a total of 27 walks. 
27 bases on balls in 239 innings. That figures out to about one walk every eight and one-third innings, Marty. That's fantastic. It's phenomenal, but on the other side of the coin, Gary Nolan gave up a total of 28 home runs, which oftentimes goes hand in glove, control pitchers and long balls. Here's Roy White with one out. Ground ball hit directly at Joe Morgan. He boots it. He recovers, and he gets his man. Quickly, two out for New York as Rivers has popped to shortstop. Roy White first pitch hitting a bouncing ball to second baseman Joe Morgan. So the two-out batter will be the catcher for the New York Yankees, Thurman Munson. The most proficient hitter against Cincinnati pitching, Munson has had five hits and 13 at-bats. He's not home a run. And of late, Marty, as we pointed out in the previous games, if they pitch him the outside, he will go to the outside. Earlier in the year, he was waiting for the inside pitch and reaching the fences. However, in Yankee Stadium, it's very difficult. 387 and left center, 430 a little further out. So he's been going to right field. Nolan works to the plate. It's in for a strike. On the Cincinnati infield, Tony Perez first, Joe Morgan second, Concepcion the shortstop, Rose at third, George Foster in left field, Cesar Geronimo in center over in right, Ken Griffey. Johnny Betts catching the pitches of Gary Nolan. That is missing outside. It's one ball and one strike. We're scoreless in the bottom of the first. Two Yankees have been retired. Looking down to Johnny Bench for the sign, sights it, and he pitches. That's ball two, two and one. Gary Nolan does not like to pitch in cold weather when he is a hot weather pitcher. He likes to perspire and perspire freely. In the early part of a season, he will not pitch very effectively, but when the temperature gets over the 80 to 85 degree mark, that's when he starts cooking. A Munson tried to take a shot the other way, but foul this one back. Two and two now. And as when Elliott pointed out at the top of the broadcast, Gary Nolan pitching in 51-degree weather tonight. Should Munson get on with two down, the inning would continue for first baseman Chris Shamblin. Outfield pretty much straight away for Munson. Geronimo shading him maybe two, three steps toward the gap in left center. That one is hit. Back into shallow right center. Morgan racing back. He can't get it. Griffey comes up with the ball, and Munson with a two-out single. Now has rung the bell six times in this World Series. And just about all of his hits to right field. That was in right center. Not particularly powerful. It's one of the kind of hits that Billy Martin has been complaining that the Reds have had a plethora on. Maybe the tide has turned, and the bloopers and the Texas Leaguers and the Bleeders are going to fall in for the Yankees tonight. Chris Chambliss in. Looking for his fifth hit, he's been up 12 times. Big, strong, left-handed batter with good power. Low and inside as Bench has to battle that ball to keep from getting through on him. Ball one and no strikes on Chambliss. The Yankees trying to do something that no team has ever, ever done in World Series play, and that's to come back from a 3-0 deficit. That one is hit over Concepcion into left center field. That's going to score a run, possibly. Geronimo up for the ball. Now they're going to wave Munson to the plate. Here comes the throw, and it's not going to be in time. The throw bouncing over the left shoulder of Johnny Bench. Gary Nolan backing up on the play. And New York has drawn first blood on back-to-back 
gets a single by Munson and a double to the gap in deep left center field by Chris Jambler. That was a solid line drive to the very deepest corner of this field, as this field can be said to have corners. It was the 430-foot mark in left center between Foster and Geronimo. Foster finally caught up with it, but Mr. Chunky, the American League catcher of the year, Thurman Munson, off with the crack of the bat. Of course, it was two outs. Never stopped. Dick Hauser kept waving and windmilling those arms. Keep going. And Thurman made it. In fact, the throw in eluded bench, but uh, Nolan backing up behind kept the ball in play. And on second base, two outs, Chris Jambliss, and to the bat, the DH of the Yankees, Carlos May. Jambliss, his first RBI in this World Series. He has given the Yankees a 1-0 first inning lead. May, a left-handed batter. Now Nolan, as he comes set, straddles the pitching rubber as he looks Jambliss back to second base. May is over six. Nolan working. Ground ball by the mound. Concepcion. Nice play. He's throwing and he got him at first base. So Davey Concepcion with a super range that has made him the best shortstop of the National League. Not only robs Carlos May of a base hit, but it is a run-saving play. Chambliss most certainly would have been able to score had that gone through. In the inning for the Yankees, they get a run on a couple of hits. One man is left and after one complete. New York one and Cincinnati nothing. If you know the facts on microwave ovens before you buy, you'll buy on the MANA radar range. Fact one, the safety tag. All microwave ovens have to carry warning labels on the door, except two. Both are a MANA radar range microwave ovens. Fact two, a MANA provides a full five-year warranty on the Magnetron. A MANA covers Magnetron cost, labor charges, even the serviceman's travel expenses for five years. Check the warranty, because many microwave ovens come with only one-year full Magnetron warranty protection. Fact three, quality features. The Amana Touchmatic Radar Range is the first microwave oven with a memory. Takes food from the freezer to the table simple as one, two, three. Amana Cookmatic Power Shift lets you select the cooking speed you need. Add the big Amana stainless steel interior, 675 watts cooking power, removable glass oven tray, and more, and you've got all the facts that make the Amana Touchmatic Radar Range the one to buy. This broadcast is authorized under broadcasting rights granted by Major League Baseball solely for the entertainment of our listening audience and any publication, rebroadcast, or other use of the description and accounts of this game without the express written consent of the Commissioner of Baseball is prohibited. You know, before we got to New York, Sparky Anderson, back in his dressing room, was talking about the Yanks. He'd been asked to sort of analyze them, and he was asked which was the guy that bothered him most. Remember last year, he thought Dwight Evans really surprised him, the right fielder of the Red Sox. He said, this year, it's Chris Shambliss. When we pitch him outside, he hits the left center, and we don't dare pitch him inside because he'll do what he did to the Kansas City Royals. And that's what happened. They pitched him outside, and it was a line drive cash-in shot to left center. Marty? Okay, when Tony Perez for openers in the second. D-high fastball for a call strike. Tony, five for 13. He's knocked in a couple of runs, but the Yankees handed him a collar here a couple of nights ago. He swings and grounds one the other way, but Chambliss digs it out, rolls toward the back, and there's quickly one out. You know, a word about Tony, the gentle giant, the man who's batted in more runs in history than any other red. You've got to say something about his equanimity and poise. Every year the talk comes up that this is Tony's last with the Reds and now even more insistent with the, uh, the emergence of Dan Dreesen, who's coming to bat now. He can only play first base. He's obviously a solid hitter, and Tony Perez is 35. 
Danny Treason, the batting star of Game 3 of this World Series. He's single, homered, and double here. Pitches on the outside corner for a strike, and I'll tell you, Figueroa can throw that pitch consistently tonight. The Reds are going to have a world of problem with it. Down and away, knee high on the outside corner. Treason swings on the next pitch, lots of fly ball to left field. Roy White gets there and makes it the second out. Perez, a ground ball to first base. Dreesen, fly ball left. Two down. The hitter will be left fielder George Foster. And Roy White, no Willie Mays. And he wouldn't say he is one. Ran out from under his cap that one. And he was champed under it. Two away in the Cincinnati second. The Yankees lead it 1-0. The first time in this World Series that New York has scored first. So if you're a Yankee fan, that might be a good, a good omen on this Thursday night, October the 21st. Foster has knocked in three runs in the series on five hits. He's been up 11 times. Now Figueroa walks off the backside of the mound as Foster takes his time stepping in. Batter and pitcher ready, and the pitch on the way is missing away for ball one. If you're familiar with the Cincinnati Reds, George Foster is doing his excuse me bit, steps out on every pitch. Back in on the 1-0 that's taken on the inside for a call strike. Talk about trades the Reds have made. This man came over four years ago for Frank Duffy and a relief pitcher, Vern Geishert, the trade with the San Francisco Giants. Two balls and one strike. Duffy, of course, now resides with the Cleveland Indians. Geishert no longer in Major League Baseball. And Foster, well, named the Player of the Year in the National League on a vote of the players in the senior circuit. That's up and in, ball three, three and one. In all honesty, uh, Marty, the Reds didn't quite realize what they had in Foster because it wasn't until about one-third the way through last year, and the Reds were comparatively floundering when uh, Sparky brought uh, Pete Rose into third and put George Foster into left field, and from there on, they took off. That's exactly right. It was in the early days of May. Ball four. Foster flips the bat over his left shoulder as he gets on the easy way. Figueroa relinquishing his first walk of the night, and that'll bring up catcher Johnny Bench. As I assessed the win cards uh, prior to the game, Marty, with the players, uh, the general consensus was it was going to have to be one wallop to make that left field fence. The wind is going out that way, but it swerved to the right field side the minute it gets out there, and it's doing tricks. You're going to really have to cream it to get into the left field stands. Foster will draw a throw from Figueroa before the right-hander deals with Johnny Bench. He's had six hits in this World Series. Got up 11 times, is knocked in a run. Yankees won Cincinnati nothing in the top of the second. Bench swings on the pitch and fouls it out of here. Should there be a fifth game, it would be played here at Yankee Stadium tomorrow night. Sparky Anderson has already announced he will go with Freddie Norman. And there seems to be some question about the Yankees starter. Billy Martin said Kenny Holston, but of course with the rain out yesterday, it would allow him to bring Catfish Hunter back with the five-day rest. So you'll have to wait and see. Holtzman, of course, has been the forgotten man in the New York scheme of things. People are wondering daily, where is Ken Holtzman? We may see him tomorrow night if the Yankees can win and keep this series alive. Another throw to first. Foster appeared to be leaning just a bit towards second base, but he was able to get back. 
He tried Munson's arm in the first game, you remember, Marty, and he was uh, shut down. Incidentally, the game tomorrow is scheduled for 6 o'clock, if there be one. We'll be on the air at 5.55 p.m. Another throw-off, if I might, Marty. About that game tomorrow, uh, Commissioner Kuhn has scheduled a game so it won't interfere with the presidential debate, and the League of Women Voters has promised not to start the debate in case the game runs over. Throw to first again. Of course, there seems to be a lot of question among players from both ball clubs. And the question was, when it was announced today, why can't we play in the afternoon? So, Bowie Kuhn making the announcement that the game will be played at 6 o'clock tomorrow night is not exactly game favor from not only the Cincinnati Reds, but also the New York Yankees. Bigger roll-up. George Foster, the base runner at first, they're playing games with each other. Johnny Bench has seen only one pitch. He fouled that off. This one he fouls back. So put the count at two strikes. And the on-deck hitter for the Reds is center fielder Cesar Geronimo. Talked about the fact that Bench has had six hits in the series. He and Thurman Munson, the respective catchers on these two competing clubs, now have had the most hits of anybody. Six apiece. In with the 0-2, the runner goes, pitch out, call for it. Throw to second. Right on the money and Foster's a dead duck. Herman Munson, the thrower, Willie Randolph, the catcher, and that's the inning. No runs, no hits, nobody has left. We're in the middle of inning number two. The Yankees won, the Reds nothing. Honey, I'm home. Honey, honey, did you take the car down to Eddie's station for a muffler? It's really getting bad. Uh-huh. Dude. Did you have to leave the car? No. Oh, I told you it was a good idea for me to make friends with Eddie. You know, he's a good kid. Jim, I didn't leave the car because he said it would take three weeks to get the muffler parts. Oh. Well, then did you take it to Jerry's Motor City? After all, Jerry sold me that car. You know, we went to high school together. Oh, we're like that. Good old Jerry and me. Yeah, well, that's probably why good old Jerry put us very first on the waiting list for an appointment a week from Friday. A week from Friday. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. The neighbors, they're going to start complaining. No, they won't. Mm, they won't? No, after Eddie's and Jerry's, I took the car to Midas. I was in and out in 30 minutes with a new muffler. When you're in a hurry, nobody's faster than Midas. We've built a business for people who can't wait. For mufflers or shocks, come to Midas. We're specialists. We have to do a better job. And a faster job, too. Bringing you the World Series now, and in December, CBS Radio Sports will bring you the National Football Conference Championship over many of these CBS Radio Network stations. For sports, it's CBS Radio. You know, you live by the foot, you can end up by stopping your toe. And that's cost the Cincinnati Reds three base runners in just the opening two innings here at Yankee Stadium tonight. Pete Rose attempting to run into a blind switch of third base. Ken Griffey attempting to make second on the same play. And George Foster cut down for the second time in this World Series attempting to steal second. That time Thurman Munson, whatever George's design was, Thurman outthought him, called for a pitch out, and nailed him with plenty to spare. As Sparky has said, he wants his team to be aggressive. He wants them to run. If they get cut down, okay, we're going to keep running. So far, it's cost them. Okay, Marty, the Yanks are back. And it'll be 6, 7, and 8 for the Yankees in the second inning. Greg Nettles will lead it off, followed by Oscar Gamble and then Willie Randolph. Nettles has been up nine times. Has had a hit, has driven across two. Left-handed batting power hitter. The pitch is in for strike one call from Gary Nolan. Gary Nolan 
Holland, before developing the shoulder problems back in 72, was a hard thrower. When he came up to the Reds in the latter stages of the 60s season, here's a foul out of play in the late 60s, to be more precise. He was one of the hardest throwers around in either league. A power pitcher in every sense of the word. But then came the arm problems. Gary Nolan has come back, I guess you could say, a pitcher in every sense of the word. He changes speed. He goes inside corner, outside corner, is able to keep the ball down and can throw strikes. That one, a breaking ball that's low. One and two on Nettles. I've often wondered, Marty, why pitchers wait to be injured before they become thinkers and pitchers instead of just throwers. Well, why don't they do it from the beginning? It's happened many, many times. This one, a check swing tap or first base side. Nolan has it. Flips on to Perez. Nettles an easy out. I think a, a good example of a man who can throw as hard as anybody would like to not see, as well as a thinker, would be uh, Mr. Tom Seavers over in the National League for the New York Mets. Matter is right fielder Oscar Gamble. One hit, four times up, or RBI in the World Series. Nolan and the Reds trailing Figueroa and the Yankees, one nothing in the second. Pitches swung on and missed, and Gamble had himself quite some cuts. Griffey deep in right field. Here's the 0-1 delivery, and that's cut on and popped in the air on the infield. Pete Rose moving toward the mound, waiting, and he's got it for out number two. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is a CBS radio network. This is WCBS New York. Hi, this is Mel Allen. If you have a most valuable package to ship, call Emory Air Freight. The shortest distance well, between Randolph two points. For the first time tonight. Young second baseman has found the hits few and far between. In fact, he's had but one and ten times up. Nolan throws, and Randolph takes a high fastball. This was where the problems began for Gary Nolan in the first inning. He got Mickey Rivers and Roy White with no problem, but that Munson a single to right center, and Shambliss a double at deep left center field to produce a New York run. Here's a fly ball hit into center field. Geronimo charges, and on the run, he comes up with it. Picked it right off the top of the grass. And that's all for the Yankees as they are set down in one, two, three order. At the end of two complete, Yankees over the Reds, one nothing. Parade Magazine is now part of the good reading found in the Sunday Bergen Record. Features like Intelligence Report will keep you abreast of news and trends in important areas. And there's information for and about young people every Sunday in Pamela Swift's Keeping Up With Youth column. You'll also find weekly recipes in Parade, along with new products and ideas for home and family. While Walter Scott answers your questions about popular celebrities every week in the Sunday Records Parade. Parade's in-depth articles examining relevant controversial topics will appeal to readers who follow the news. And there are additional timely articles and features every week that appeal to everyone. Make this enjoyable and informative entertainment package part of your good reading in the Sunday Bergen Record. For home delivery, call 646-4270. 646-4270. For the Bergen Record, New Jersey's largest evening newspaper. Depend on it. Fourth game of the world game of the World Series. Two innings completed, and it's the New York Yankees leading by a skinny margin of a run. It happened in the first inning with two out. 
A single by Simon Munson to right center and a smashing two-base line drive to left center to the deepest part of the park by Chris Chambliss. And chunky Mr. Munson beats the throw home, and that's the only run of the inning of the game so far. The Reds could have had a threat going in the first, but some uh, faulty base running cut down both runners. George Foster was on first base as the second inning came to close, and it did so because he tried to steal second, and for the second time in the series was cut down Munson to Sharp. And now as we go into the top of the third, the same guy up with the first guy up, Marty. That'll be Johnny Bench with Cesar Geronimo and Davey Concepcion also to hit here in the third inning. Figueroa with a pitch and Bench with a take down and outside. Make it ball one. Bench had a good playoff in the three-game sweep over the Phillies. He has had an excellent World Series against New York Yankee pitching. Check swing foul. Bouncing ball over toward the near end of the Yankee dugout first base side. So Mr. Figueroa against Mr. Bench. One ball and one strike. They give Bench a lot of room in right center. He swings on the pitch and pops it up. Let's see who will play this one. Willie Randolph on the infield grass. Back of the mound squeezes it. Bench is out number one. That ball seemed to go up and come down. True. Because just before the pitch, I'm watching the flags in left field. They're going out to left field. I'm watching the flags in right field. They're going out to right field. And I'm watching the flagpole and set it, and it's swirling around. So anything is likely to happen on any ball that went that high in the air. But it came down true, and Randolph squeezed it. Left-handed batting center fielder Geronimo in now. Swing and a miss on the first pitch from Figueroa. Geronimo two for nine. He's knocked in a run. Figueroa signed originally by the club that also resides in New York, the Mets of the National League. Here's a line drive into left center field that goes in for a hit. Mickey Rivers slips, now comes up with the ball, and Geronimo will content himself with a single. That's the second Cincinnati hit. And we'll bring on the number nine batter, shortstop Davey Concepcion. Figueroa signed, as we mentioned originally, by the New York Mets, but was released by that club in 1968. Then he went to the California Angels after being signed by the New York Giant organization, and then, of course, came over to this club, as we mentioned prior to the beginning of the 76 season, in the big trade with the California Angels. Concepcion checking in with third base coach George Sugar. The Reds have the tying run on with one out on a Geronimo base hit, and now time is called as... Geronimo apparently, well, now he's going to smooth the dirt out a little bit, out away from first base, apparently marking a line for himself as to exactly how far he wants to get a lead off of first base. Mm-hmm. He has done that, and now Figueroa will go to work on the right-handed batting red shortstop. Infield looks for the bouncing ball, the pitch. That misses away a ball. Uh, Geronimo does have a stolen base so far in this series. David Concepcion, 3 for 11, two runs batted in. In fact, every one of the Cincinnati Reds have knocked in a at least a run. That is on the inside corner. Strike is called. One ball and one strike. Concepcion looking at a straightaway Yankee outfield. Figueroa slowing his pace just down a bit as Geronimo takes his lead, checked by the Yankee pitcher. Concepcion takes a high fastball. Two balls and one strike. 
He was anticipating a fastball too, Marty. Weber used to say he was stepping into the pitch. Uh, had it been down, I think it would have been by him before he could have responded. There goes Geronimo. Pitch is taken. Munson's throw and safe at second base is Geronimo. Freddie Stanley had to cut in front of the bag to short hop Munson's throw. So the Reds are one for two tonight in terms of steals against Munson in that he got Foster in the second, but Geronimo has stolen against him here in the third. as Sparky said, uh, even though it's cost him three base runners, keep at him, keep coming at him. And now he's put his runner in scoring position with just the one out and a very steady conception up at the plate. Very steady and very much a clutch hitter for the Cincinnati Reds. He led this team in game-winning RBIs this past season with 15. He swings and fouls off the first baseline. That'll be back into the seats out of the hands of a fan in the upper deck and bouncing back downstairs. So the count goes full, three balls and two strikes. Ed Figueroa getting a taste of World Series action for the first time in his career. Pitching under a lot of pressure tonight, I'll tell you. The Yankees have to win or else it's all over. Here comes a payoff. That's ball four. So if nothing else, that walk creates a ground ball double play possibility for the New York Yankees as Concepcion walks. And it'll bring on the leadoff batter, Pete Rose, who doubled to start the game. They double down the left field line. Figueroa has now walked a couple. He's not struck out anybody. Rose, who was the most valuable player in the 1975 World Series, the Reds' victory over the Boston Red Sox, now has a chance to tie things up. First and second, one out. The pitch to him. He takes a strike. Pass ball at the letters away from him. That was exactly the kind of pitch that Pete pickled down the left field line on his first time at back. Rose surveying the landscape as he steps out and now steps back in. A man who has made the number 14 very, very famous in National League play. He swings, ground ball slowly, hit to the right side. Chambliss will go to second. They get the play there, throw quickly back to third, but not in time to get Geronimo, who had taken the turn at third base, but very wisely came back. The middleman, Concepcion, cut down three to six. Chambliss to Stanley. So put Reds runners on the corners and bring up Ken Griffey, who hit into that very odd double play in the first inning. When with Rose at second, he bounced to Stanley. Stanley then threw to third baseman Nettles to get Rose in a rundown, going back to second. And they ended up getting Griffey in a rundown between first and second base. So Griffey hoping for a two-out hit to tie things up. It is 1-0 New York in the Cincinnati third. Swing and a miss. third base, Pete Rose at first. Figueroa trying to get out of the inning unscathed here. The right-hander comes set, he kicks and he fires. Griffey hits one off the glove of the pitcher. They're going to have a problem. Randolph up quick, throwing to first. Got it, good time. Off the glove of Figueroa. Randolph, a strong throw to Shambler. Fred's first base coach, Russ Nixon, did not like the call by Bruce Fremming, but it's an out. And the inning is over. No runs, two hits. 
hit, or rather one hit, with a couple left on. And after two and a half, it remains New York one and Cincinnati nothing. Pee Wee Reese, who's here at the series, would certainly have appreciated that play. The ball hit very sharply, glanced off the pitcher, and then sort of trickled and hopped out towards second base, and young Mr. Randolph came in, and you have to admire his cool. He didn't hurry. He didn't panic. He picked it up and gunned it to first and just beat the runner by a second as the tying runner was crossing the plate. That was a key play for the New York Yankees. And so it's still 1-0, bottom of the third, Marty. Okay, when Freddie Stanley, ninth batter in the Yankee lineup, will stand in. Gary Nolan retired New York in order of the second, and he goes to work on the right-handed batting Stanley. The pitch is away, ball one. One for five. Is not going to run. He was pinch hit in the fourth inning by Billy Martin here on Tuesday night. That pitch is up. Two balls and no strikes with Mickey Rivers on deck. Each club has had a couple of hits here in the early going. Stanley waving the bat around and now waits and Nolan misses again with a breaking ball. Three and nothing. You're mentioning Kurt Hitter's uh Marty, none of the Yankee pinch hitters have come through so far, Velez, Hendricks, and Velez, but Mason, who replaced Stanley in the field, hits a home run. Nolan needs a strike, and he did not get it as the pitch is high, and he has walked Stanley on four consecutive pitches. On the basis of his year-long figures in 1976, that's his quota. One walk in eight and two-thirds innings. But remember, Marty said that... Uh, Mr. Nolan is more of a warm-weather pitcher. That he is. He does not like cold weather by any means. He'll be facing Mickey Rivers with a base runner and Fred Stanley at first. Rivers 0 for 1, a pop to short, throw to first base. The Reds have attempted nine steals in this World Series. They have been successful six times. The Yankees have attempted but once. That was Mickey Rivers, and he was thrown out by Johnny Bench. One attempt, did not get it. Strike, nothing and one on Rivers. In the event that Sparky Anderson has to go to his bullpen early tonight, and by that we're talking about a man to be used in long relief, it in all likelihood would be right-hander Jack Billingham. Swing and another pop. This one in shallow left field. Foster there in plenty of time, and he makes a catch. Marty, you're right. Uh, I spoke to Jack before the game, and I asked him what his thoughts were about tonight. He said he'd be ready, and he feels uh, that at this juncture, uh, Sparky can do as he pleases, of course, but he does feel he is the long reliever. He was a second game winner, Jack Billingham, in relief for Freddie Norman in Sunday night's game. Roy White, a ground out to second. In the first inning, he's up there now with Stanley at first base and one out on the Mickey Rivers fly ball to left field. The Yankees lead it 1-0. We're playing baseball in the third inning. Nolan again will throw to first. Now we've got a bright yellow balloon that comes rolling in behind home plate, picked up there by plate umpire Bill Deegan. Presenting it to one of the Cincinnati Reds bat boys. Now the pitch to White. Strike one call. One out, one on. Gary Nolan working against Yankee left fielder Roy White in the bottom of the third inning. 
the sign from Johnny Bench. He kicks and throws. That's too low. Mr. Cool, that's Roy White down there. The only man that's been with the Yankee organization from their glory days. He bats equally well from either side of the plate, and he has been one of their consistent RBI men. Swings, hits a fly ball. Deep right center field. Griffey goes toward the warning track, and standing there, makes a catch to retire White on a long belt to right center field. Through coming back to the infield and picked up by Davey Concepcion as Fred Stanley holds ground at first base. That um, attempt for a home run was just to the left of the porch, which jumped up 353 feet. And I noticed him before game hitting practice. If you can get it down right field, dead right, you've got a better chance. Of course, it's closer, but the wind current seems to be going that way. As that hit was made, the flags in right field were swirling towards center field. So you don't know whether it was held up or not, but perhaps it was. We talked earlier about the fact George Foster was named the National League Player of the Year in a vote held by the Sporting News. This man, Thurman Munson, got the same award in the American League. He's up for the second time, has a hit, has scored the only run of the game, and looks at ball one from Nola. Nolan trying to leave Freddie Stanley stranded at first base after walking him for openers. There's a strike. Taken by the right-handed batter, one and one. If you're wondering about past performance from Gary Nolan in World Series play, he has not been a good World Series pitcher. His two decisions have been losing ones. In the 70 series, a loss to Baltimore. In 72, he was beaten by Oakland at a 554 World Series earned run average. Two balls and one strike. Normally, constant movement on the pitching mound. He'll go to the bill of his cap. He'll windmill his right arm. Here's his pitch. That shot to right field, a base hit. On to second is Stanley. He takes the turn, will hold. And the Yankees have a couple on as Thurman Munson continues to swing a hot New York bat. His seventh hit. And again, sharply to right field. They say baseball is a game of inches, but from a fan standpoint, it's a game of if only. If only Thurman Munson's sharp line drive in the third game had been, say, half a foot higher and had cleared Tony Perez, that third game might have been in the Yankee column. It came at a vital part in the middle of the game. Just as this hit now arouses the Yankee fans, two outs, two on, they lead by one, and it's Chris Shambles. The run producer in the first inning with a double to left center. Strike one call to him. So all of Gary Nolan's problems here in the first three innings have come with two men out. Although he walked Stanley in this third to lead it off, he has given up a two-out single to Munson to create the problem for him. The strike one pitch. Shambliss swings and fouls at home plate as the ball bounces around off the first baseline. That base hit by Shambliss in the first inning. He now has an 18-game hitting streak going back into the season. And in the postseason play, 16 hits and 34 times up. That figures out to a 471 batting average. Gary Nolan walking around the mound as he goes to windmilling that right arm. He... Trying to shake off a little bit of the cold that many times I would have to say he magnifies in his own mind more than it really is. Two strikes to count. The pitch. 
Ground ball, hit towards second. Morgan has it, get away from him, and will not have a play anywhere. Throw back to third, safe. charge to Joe Morgan, another error in the sense that he was charged with one here on Tuesday night. And that now loads the bases for designated hitter Carlos May. That was a simple ground ball, I think, uh, from up here. It looked like Joe took his uh, eye off the ball to look at second to see if he had a play there. He was playing Chambliss very deep. And as he took his eye off it, the ball played him and got away, and we've got the bases loaded, and Carlos May. The pitch to May is up high, bench looking down to third as if he wanted to throw that way, but held up instead. So let's see if the New York Yankees can capitalize on the two-out error by Joe Morgan as we note some stirring around in the Cincinnati bullpen. And it's going to be right-hander Jack Billingham who will get up and begin throwing. Stanley at third, Munson at second. Shambliss, the base runner at first. One strike to count, or rather one and nothing to count on Carlos May, and it's ball two Another right-hander for the Reds, Pedro Borbon. Marty, if Nolan has fantastic control, May has limitless patience at the uh, plate. He'll take them and take them and take them and see if he can work for a walk. Well, Nolan needs a strike, and he gets it as he deals one right over the heart of the plate. Two balls and one strike. Yesterday, or rather the day before, the Cincinnati Reds got the game out of their uh, designated hitter, Dreesen. Here's the opportunity for the Yankees to cash in with their designated hitter, Nay. Bases full of Yankees. Two men out. Here's a fly ball hit to left. Foster started in, goes back and gloves it. And the Yankees leave the bases loaded. No run. On one base hit, one Cincinnati Arab, and three men left on. We've completed three. The Yankees won. The Reds nothing. You can get shock absorbers almost anywhere these days, and good ones. But when you think you need shocks, what you really need is a shock specialist to make sure you get the right shocks for your car and the way you drive. At Midas, you get a shock specialist. Who else can you trust to tell you whether you really need shocks at all? Who else can choose from five different kinds of heavy-duty shocks for your car? Who else can install those shocks in 30 minutes or less? Come to Midas. We're shock specialists. We have to do a better job. Do you have a taste for things that are a little out of the ordinary? Look, Doris, it has a clock in its stomach and it glows in the dark. I think we should snap it up, Dick. Do you like things that are fun but are also functional? Look, Dick, this is fun. Uh-huh, but is it functional, Doris? Do you want to be the talk of the town? Oh, Dick and Doris, we were just talking about you. Then the Opal Isuzu is your kind of car. It's not ordinary, it's fun but functional, and people will talk about it. Did you hear what Dick and Doris bought? The Opal Isuzu, a dandy new small car at your Buick Opal dealers. We played three in game four here at Yankee Stadium, and the score is still Yankees one and the Reds nothing. That third inning was a game or an inning for leaving men on base. The Reds had a chance to crack through, but Griffey couldn't do it. Randolph coolly threw him out, leaving two Reds on base. And that inning just completed Carlos May, who is now seven for nothing, or nothing out of seven tries at bat. Uh, couldn't bring in anybody with the bases loaded. A fly ball, well hit, but right at George Foster. Carlos May, the uh, designated hitter, has been up seven times, as we say, with no hits. And he's now got a full nine batters to wait before he gets up again. Whatever he's doing now, it must be within the neighborhood of chewing nails. Uh, that was his opportunity to do his thing. The only thing he can do, that's all he's asked to do, and it just wasn't to be. 
so we come to the top of the fourth. And it's the second baseman of the Cincinnati Reds who kind of put his club in a hole, losing that ground ball that time. Okay, Marty. Okay, Wynn. Some big hitters up for the Reds in the fourth inning. Morgan, Perez, and Dreesen. Joe is 0 for 1. He grounded out his first time. Starts to go. Held up, and it cost him a strike. Morgan batting 308. Four for 13. A double, a triple, a home run, and two RBIs. So three of his four hits have been for extra bases against New York pitchers. That pitch is high. One ball and one strike. It'll be interesting to see how the National League voting goes for the most valuable player. It would appear that the Reds have an edge in the market. Two balls and a strike. Morgan Foster, who had the torrid bat for so long during the season, but slumped and slumped badly the last six or seven weeks of the year. Pete Rose, who led the National League in three different categories. You can pretty much go on and on. But you can't forget guys like Greg Luzinski and Mike Schmidt of Philadelphia. Three and one. Well, the last thing in the world Figueroa wants to do is walk this man because he makes things happen for the Cincinnati Reds. And now as Figueroa starts to his windup, Morgan steps out of the batter's box. Three and one to count. The right-hander for the Yankees, native Puerto Rican, now makes his home in Bayamón, Puerto Rico, out behind the mound, rubbing up the baseball. Three and one to count on second baseman Joe Morgan with a pitch coming. That's ball four, and Morgan is on. six lifetime steals in World Series competition and if the pattern of managing that we've seen from Sparky Anderson remains consistent you have to feel that sooner or later Morgan is going to be going. Marty, I have the feeling now Morgan is the second red that went out about six feet and cleared the uh, the, the dirt. I have the feeling there's bunches of dirt there. Maybe deliberately. <laughs> Morgan gets the lead. Tony Perez a batter. The right-hander will throw to first base. Do you think it's possible that at the point where the Reds would normally take their lead, there's been extra dirt dumped there? No, I think that in Riverfront Stadium with the AstroTurf, they get the lead according to where the sliding pit ends. Here's a line drive to left center field by Perez. Rivers on his horse. He'll make the catch. Morgan three quarters of the way to second, heading on back to first, and will get it standing up. The throw from Rivers almost cleared the head on a bounce of Chris Chambliss, who went to foul ground to take it. If Chambliss weren't as tall as he is, well over six feet, six feet three or four, that would have been in the stands. That would have been an automatic base advance for Joe Morgan. The one out as Mickey Rivers makes a catch in left center field, a running catch on Perez's ball, and the hitter will be Danny Dreesen, who applied to left his first time in. with a lead. The pitch to the plate. Looked like Munson had called for a pitch out. The pitch was low and it's ball one. Talking about the lead that the Reds runners get when they're playing at home, they can pretty well gauge the distance where the sliding pit ends and the artificial turf begins. Of course, with natural turf and a skin portion of the infield completely here, Morgan is on the way and Munson will not even attempt to throw. He stayed in his crouch and fired on back to the mound and Joe Morgan gets a very, very easy stolen base. But he was more than halfway down there by the time the ball came to Munson. He had a seven-foot lead as Figueroa made it obvious he was going to throw to the plate. You know, in order to throw the first, you have to step there before you throw it. Joe took off, and Munson was absolutely right in not throwing. That was a steal on the pitcher, not the catcher. Absolutely, Wynn. 
So doing nothing to count on Dreesen. A swing and a pop. Munson throws a mask away as he moves in foul ground and makes the catch. and a foul pop to Thurman Munson. Big out for the New York Yankees, and with two down, it'll be George Foster back for the second time tonight. He had a walk in the second inning and then was caught stealing. I would suspect that with the onset of this pressure tactics on the base pads by all the leading teams in both leagues, that down in the little leagues and in the instructional leagues and the colleges, that there must be attention paid to how you hold a man on base by the part of the pitcher. Very few of these big leaguers really have good moves. Figueroa looking back towards second, now throws to the plate. Foster takes it up and in for ball one. Well, the trend in Major League Baseball has certainly gone toward the speed aspect of the game. We saw it so prevalent in 1976, not only from the Reds, who stole over 200 bases, but from the Oakland A's, who stole over 300, and the Kansas City Royals. Line drive over Stanley's Club, base hit. They're going to wave Morgan to the plate. Roy White will throw on to second base, and the Reds have tied things up here at 1-1. That was an absolute rocket shot off the bat of George Foster, who now leads this club and runs batted in. He has four RBIs in the World Series, and that line drive single to left scores Morgan easily. One run apiece. You said it. That didn't come out of a pop gun. I'm sure they heard that out in San Diego. That's one of the thrills of radio broadcasting for me. You hear that whack of the bat. And the crowd comes to it just about the same time you do, Marty. And they know something's happening. If you're living in Cincinnati, you know it's good. And if you're living in New York, you go... Johnny Bench now with two outs and a run home. Ball one. Off-speed pitch from Figueroa's just tied. Each club has had three hits. Each club has scored a run. The Reds own the game's only era. Bench with a pop to second base as a leadoff batter in the third inning. Strike is called. We saw Foster attempt a steal in the second with two out. Was cut down by Munson. Let's see what might unfold here with two out in much the same situation. Foster at first, bench at the plate. Swung on and a long belt to left field. If it stays there, the Reds have gone out in front. Home run, Johnny Bench. A line hugger to left field. The only question was whether the ball was going to stay fair or go foul. With a prodigious shot to left. His first long ball of this World Series, and the Reds have bolted out in front three to one. It hit the screen on the fair side of the foul pole. The screen that would let you know which side it is crossed on the foul pole and is reminiscent of what Carlton Fisk did in the ninth inning, I believe it was, of the sixth game to no, the twelfth inning of the sixth game in Boston to defeat the Cincinnati Reds. Geronimo at the plate. Strike one call. And the Reds with a big fourth inning have scored three times. And we've got a left-hander working in the Yankee bullpen in Grant Jackson. One ball and one strike on the high fastball. I said it was going to take a power blow to get into the left field stands, and that certainly was. Of course, it was to the shortest part of the field, right down the line. Geronimo checks swing. Fastball gets him. Call strike. 
It's 312 feet there, but it was some 30 feet high. It would have carried. It was a good whack. Figueroa with the advantage. One and two as he pitches, and Geronimo, a ground ball by Nettles, plays the hole by Stanley. Long throw, good play by Stanley. Geronimo is out at first base. A most productive forest for the big red machine. They got three runs on a couple of hits. And at the three and a half, it's a red three. The Yankees won. In that Cincinnati red top of the forest, it was the Reds at their best. A combination of the power running with Morgan forcing the plays by stealing second uncontested, put the pressure on Figueroa. A solid single by Foster. And then what the Reds also do best, because they do so many things well, the long ball by Johnny Bench. A quick look at the statistics shows that out of the 35 hits, don't hold me this, the Cincinnati Reds, 14 of them have been for extra bases. While uh, for the Yankees, I think they've made 25 hits. Only five of them have been for extra bases. And the only telling blow, really, well, Mason got the home run the other night, was Shambliss' uh, two-base hit tonight that scored their only run. So it's been the long ball and the fleet foot that has done it for the Reds so far. They lead 3-1, bottom of the fourth, and it's Craig Nettles. Marty? That's Dr. Gary Nolan leading off the second inning, and now the Yankees are going to have to play comeback baseball tonight. They're trailing by a pair of runs as Nolan delivers and a ground ball off to the right of Joe Morgan into right center field. Greg Nettles with his second World Series hit. And base hit number four for the Yankees tonight on Nolan's first pitch in the fourth inning. It'll bring up Oscar Gamble. He popped out to Pete Rose. Bill Deegan, the plate umpire, now running out toward the mound to inspect the baseball that Gary Nolan is playing with before flipping it back to the Cincinnati pitcher. Gamble, one of the many left-handed batters in this New York attack. And this club has certainly proven vulnerable to left-handed pitching in this World Series. Swing and a miss by Gamble, who does not get shortchanged by any stretch of the imagination at the plate. He can stir up the air around home plate as he did just then. Marky Anderson talking about the fact that he did not have the services of Don Gullett anymore in this World Series earlier today. Ground ball hit the first. Here's a throw to second base, and Concepcion drops the ball. They had the out at second on Greg Nettles, but Concepcion coughs it up. And that will be the second error of the night charged against the Cincinnati defense. A team that prides themselves on that part of the game. What are you going to say? That's the second Little League type error that the Cincinnati Reds have made tonight. A simple throw from Perez to Concepcion at second. He was not interfered or intimidated by the uh, runner. He just couldn't handle the ball and flicked off the end of his glove. So here come the New York Yankees, two on and nobody out. Willie Randolph, who flied to shallow center the first time up. The Reds infield up at double play depth as a curve from Nolan goes down and outside. Pedro Bourbon throwing for Cincinnati. And as was the case earlier, he's going to be joined by the big right-hander, Jack Billingham. Nettles at second base. Oscar Gamble at first. The tying runs on for New York. Strike is called. One and one. Nolan, who certainly deserves a better threat in this, a better fate, rather, in this inning. 
has to pitch himself out of a jam. Here is the throw down to second. They've got the runner caught. The throw to third. And out is the runner at third base, Greg Nettles. The batter, Willie Randolph, wanted to bunt that ball. It was up and in. He offered at it as Deegan indicated the strike. Johnny Bench immediately fired down to Concepcion. They got Nettles caught. And he was out on the throw from Concepcion to Rose. And so for the second time tonight, although this time by the other team, we've seen inept or mistaken base running, kind of, at this point at any rate, throttle a rally. Instead of men on first and second and none out, it's just one on and one out. One and two the count. Randolph takes strike three, a breaking ball that got him looking. Gary Nolan rings up his first strikeout on an outstanding curve that was breaking down and away from Randolph. But in the opinion of the man who counts, Bill Deegan had got the outside corner. That not only the first strikeout for Nolan, the first strikeout of the game for either pitcher. And poetic justice for the pitcher, Gary Nolan, who shouldn't be in this kind of a jam in the first place. Two down, Fred Stanley. Ball one. Stanley on a walk in the third. And the Yankees have really hurt themselves in this World Series. They have been victimized by some awfully poor base running. Swing and a fly ball to right, but Griffey playing him that way, drips back and makes the catch. So in an inning that saw New York have two men on with nobody out, they come away with nothing, a hit, an error, and one man is left. We played four, it's a red three, and the Yankees won. That might prove to be the biggest if only of the evening. It might be the turning point if only of the game. If it's important to strike back after you've just lost the lead, the Yankees immediately struck back. A leaky Cincinnati defense put men on first and second. And with the crowd roaring, Willie Randolph, if only he had not missed that ball, if only Nettles had not been caught at third, if he had been able, I left out the only that time, to, to advance the runners, then that line shot to the right field would have brought a run in. It Still the only one up. That's what I mean by the if only. You don't win world championships with if only. Here's David Concepcion and here's Ed Figueroa. Ball one, low and outside as Concepcion stands in for the second time tonight. And as Thurman Munson starts to throw that ball back to the mound, Concepcion asks Bill Deegan to look at it, which he does, and promptly throws the ball out of play. Concepcion has had one of three walks that Figueroa has served up tonight. That came in the third. And the last walk that the Reds had against a Yankee right-hander came back to Haughty. Morgan leading off the fourth inning walk, stole second, rode home on Foster's two-out single. And he scored on Johnny Bench's home run down the left field line that gave the Reds a margin of lead. Here's a high chop. Off and wide of third is Nettles, side-arming to Shamblin. One away. Back to the top of the Reds batting order for Pete Rose, who has doubled and reached on a fielder's choice tonight. The Reds here tonight are attempting to do something that has not been done in World Series play since 1966, when the Baltimore Orioles swept the Los Angeles Dodgers. A National League team has not done it since 1963, when L.A. swept the New York Yankees. Strike one call to Rose. I was going to say, Marty, that Baltimore sweep was a tremendous upset. The McNally's, Palmer's, and Wally Bunker doing it. Swung on, and a fly ball hit back in the left field. Roy White has room to play it short of the warning track, and he does. 
Too quickly out for the Reds. We're in the top of the fifth. They lead the Yankees three to one. The Dodgers sweep over the New York Yankees and back in the 63 is one that anybody who was aware of it will never forget it. The Yankees only got two runs in the entire series. They were shut out the last three games. It's probably the, the superlative pitching performance by a staff. Kofax, Drysdale, I think it was Johnny Padres in that series. Ken Griffey, with two out, takes a fastball away at the letters for strike one call. Griffey is old for two, hit into an odd double play in the first inning and was robbed of an infield hit that would have scored a run in the third on the fine play by Willie Randolph. Shot foul, back of the Yankee dugout, or rather the Reds dugout, third base side. So Figueroa ahead at two strikes. The Yankees scored in the first inning. Out single by Munson, who rode home from first base on the long double to left center by Shambliss. The Reds getting all three of their runs in the fourth. The strike two pitch. He chased the pitch up and away and again fouls it out of play to the left. Ricky at the plate. Not a good World Series with the 0 for 2 night tonight. He is now 1 for 14. and he fouls. At this juncture of the game, both bullpens are quiet, and that is something that, at least tonight, has been a rarity. Now Grant Jackson up earlier throwing for the Yankees in the fourth inning. The Reds have twice had Billingham and Bourbon loosening up. Griffey in the 0-2 pitch again. Swing and a pop. Back of third. Going down the line is Nettles, and with it all the way in foul ground, he squeezes it. The Reds are out one, two, three. No runs, no hits, nobody left on. We played four and a half at Yankee Stadium. The Reds three, the Yankees one. The Yanks can't say that they haven't had their chances. The Reds have, have given them a shot at it. Let's see what happens now in the bottom of the fifth as we go to the top of the Yankee batting order. And it's Mickey Rivers. Rivers 0 for 2. He's popped the Concepcion at shortstop. He's going to fly ball to George Foster in left field. And does he two for 15 in series competition. Nolan pitches and had the changeup. Working to perfection with Rivers way out in front of the swing and a miss. The only easy inning that Gary Nolan has had was the second when he retired the side in order. This one a bouncing ball foul off the third and trickling on into the Cincinnati dugout. He's left a man on when they scored in the first inning. Stranded three. Carlos May lining out to Foster to leave the bases loaded in the third and left one man on after getting their first two base runners without out in the fourth inning. Only failed to score. Grounder foul past the Yankee dugout. So Nolan throwing strikes to Rivers on a holding two-strike count. one. That Randolph on a call third strike in the fourth. He's walked one. Here's a fly ball hit into shallow right. Griffey coming in, but will not be able to get it as the ball falls between Joe Morgan going back and Ken Griffey coming in. That was a thread the needle hit. That 
reminds me of the hit that Joe Morgan got to win the World Series for the Reds last year in Boston. He just reached out and poked it into right field instead of swinging away at an outside pitch where he would have just harmlessly hit in the center field. He just reached out and caught it onto the grass. So Rivers is on and the Yanks start another threat. Roy White 0 for 2. He hit one a ton in the third inning only to see it caught by Ken Griffey on the warning track in right center field. And again, we're going to get an active Cincinnati bullpen with the same duo. Right-handers Jack Billingham and Pedro Borbal. Dolan will throw to first, driving Rivers back to the back. Now the pitch to White. That's high, ball one. What do you do? Do you send Mickey? I'll tell you when, the way things have been going for him, I think I'd take a shot at it. Nothing has gone right for them in this series. They have their backs to the wall. It is against percentage baseball. They're trailing. Here's a call strike, but I think I would. Right now, it looks as if Billy Martin does not have that in his repertoire, but we'll have to wait and see. He just flashed a set of signals. Could be meaningless to Hauser. Hauser is signaled over to first. I don't think Mickey's going on this pitch. Not on the throw to first base as River steps back. 1-1 to count on Roy White. Rivers has opened the fifth inning for the Yankees with a base hit. White swings and hits a high fly ball into shallow left. Foster is right there as he pounds the glove and he puts it away. It'll bring up Thurman Munson, who's working on a perfect night. A single, a run scored in the first inning, and a single in the third. has been hitting so consistently to right field, it's conceivable the Reds are conceding him that base hit to cut down on his home run power, a la Johnny Bench. Uh, in a similar situation, Bench hit the foul pole on the fair side. Munson has the power to do the same thing, but they've been feeding Munson those breaking balls on the outside. He's been riding with the pitch and singling and occasionally hitting a double into right field. Let's see what he does this time. That's pretty much the case. The Reds have seen Munson base hit their pitching seven times, but Munson has had but one run batted in. They would gladly give up the single rather than allow Munson to pull the ball and drop one into that short porch in left field. Seven for 15. Impressive numbers for this man. There goes Rivers. Pitch is taken. Bench throw to second. Did not get it. against Johnny Bench and the Reds. The last man to steal a base against Bench was Matty Alou of Oakland in game two of the 1972 World Series. And you just felt he was going to do it. With Roy White flying out, they had nothing to lose psychologically. Send him, get the spirit going again. Now if Munson singles to right field or anywhere, they bring in a run. That's only the second stolen base attempt by the Yankees in the series. And Rivers has tried it both times. Breaking pitch to Munson. Low and outside. Ball one and strike one. What a magnificent record by Johnny Vanstro. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling, really, when you consider the fact that uh, you can go back some four years since anybody has stolen against him in World Series play. And, boy, what an edge it gives the ball club. You've got a guy who can throw like this man can. Here's a ground ball by the mound. Morgan diving. Can't get it. He's it. the right side of the field this time the right center just to the right of the diving Morgan 
Johnson drives home the Yankees' second run. They trail by a run in the bottom of the fifth. One on, still only one out, and power hitting Chris Chambliss to the plate. You really cannot say enough about Thurman Munson. This ball club down three games to none. But if the Reds should win this game and go on to sweep the Yankees, you can say nothing but good things about a man who certainly is the finest catcher in the American League. Chambliss, he swings, there's a shot to left center, but Foster is there and makes the catch. Chris Chambliss trying to play the doubles game for the second time tonight, but Foster shading him that way toward the gap makes the catch with no problem. Much like the earlier inning where he smashed a double between them, Foster shaded him over this time. As I explained it to Titans Park, he knows that outside pitch, he rides on a line in the left center, which he did, but this time Foster was right on the spot. Now here's Carlos May, the designated hitter. 0 for 2 in the game. Munson at first base. Breaking ball is low. May was robbed of the hit in the first inning when Concepcion ranged behind second and took away his hard hit ground ball. And then in a definite run producing situation in the third inning, bases loaded, two out, he lined to Foster and left. Ground ball to second. Morgan gets the benefit of the big hop and throws him out. The Yankees are scoring fifth inning. They get one on two hits. The steal by Mickey Rivers set up the run. And with a run, runner stranded at the end of five complete, it's now a one-run game. Reds three, Yankees two. Well, we've played through five. And the Cincinnati Reds of the lead, tight 3-2. The difference, Johnny Betcher's home run that hit the inside of the left field foul pole in inning number four with a man on. The Yankee catcher almost replied in kind. That is, he did in terms of knocking in a run by a sharp single to right center with the fleet Mickey Rivers casting it in. The difference has been the home run by bench. As we now go to the top of the fifth inning, the Reds at bat, and last year's MVP. Joe Morgan, the name of the player, and this is the group that faced Figueroa back in the fourth inning that created so many problems for the Yankee right-hander. Morgan started it off with a walk. Just strike one. Joe is 0 for 1. He bounced out to first base in the opening inning. This on the outside corner for strike two, and he is openly arguing with Bill Deegan. Morgan takes this pitch on the outside corner for strike two, and he is openly arguing with Bill Deegan over the call on that pitch. Morgan not liking it a little bit, but it makes no difference because he is in a big hole and no balls in two strikes. Figueroa working quickly, kicks and throws. Morgan takes this one high for a ball. The Yankees have out-hit the Reds 6-4, but trail 3-2 as Cincinnati bats in the sixth inning. And that Figueroa's job right now is to try and keep the Reds right where they are and hope that his Yankee teammates can muster enough offense to go out in front. Up with a fastball, 2-2 two two the count. A significant figure to this point in the game, Marty, is that the Reds have not left a single base runner, not one, while the Yankees have stranded six. Here's a 2-2 delivery. Swung on and lined over the glove of Stanley. Base hit. Roy White comes up quickly with the ball to hold Morgan at first base. Joe Morgan 
has his fifth World Series hit of 1976 as he opens with a line drive over Stanley's glove in left center. That'll bring on Tony Perez. Tony is 0 for 2 with a ground out to first and a fly ball to center. Oh, check that figure on the Reds, uh, Marty. They left two on in the third inning. Joe Morgan has now hit safely in seven consecutive World Series games, by the way. The pitch to Perez is cut on a slow-hopping ground ball to third. Nettles will not have a play at second. Instead, gets a sure out on Perez at first. So the Reds have a runner in scoring position on an inning opening hit by Morgan. A slow high chop to third that results in Perez being gunned out. It'll bring on Danny Dreesen. He's flying to left. He's popped to the catcher. Grant Jackson and Dick Tidrow. A left-hander and a right-hander respectively loosening up for New York. Who had the big game here on Tuesday night? Five for 13 in the World Series, a couple of doubles, a home run. Morgan checking the whereabouts of Freddie Stanley as he leads at second, and Dreesen swings and misses on the first pitch. the big night that Dan had here on Tuesday night. Sparky Anderson not changing his opinion of the designated hitter one iota. Steadfastly standing by his feeling that it does not help the game any. One ball and one strike. He does concede, however, that it does make him a much better ball club. And I don't think that can be disputed in any quarter. One and one to count on Treason. Figueroa looking at Morgan out of second base with one away. Ander has his sign. A backward glance at second to pitch. Strike two called. Andreessen takes a quick look at Deegan, but I don't see where he had any complaint at all about that pitch. It was letter high. A nice breaking ball, and he was way out in front of the first one on the first pitch. That's the stuff that's been bothering him at least this time at bat. See if he can adjust. Figueroa looking intently in. Morgan off at second base. Ander still looks. Now he's ready. Stretching the pitch. Swung on, popped up. It'll be Randolph to play at midway between first and second. Two down for the Reds with the coming of left fielder George Foster to the plate. It was another breaking ball Marty had in completely fooled. There goes uh, Billy out to talk to his pitcher. And I don't blame him. Foster was walked the first time. The second time... He hit that ball on a line into center field. Only gravity stopped it. Well, I would imagine if Billy Martin went out there just to ask Ed Figueroa what he wanted to do. Do you want to walk Foster intentionally with first base open to pitch to bench, or do you want to take your chances with Foster? Against this particular ball club, I guess you could toss a coin. Yeah, come see, come saw. They walked Morgan the other day, and uh, Perez wins the ball game. As Wynn mentioned, Foster one for one with a walk. He has an RBI, and he is the main man. And so far as RBIs are concerned in this World Series, he's driven in four and had the chance to once again give the Cincinnati Reds a two-run lead if he can base, figure, base hit Figueroa. Two out, Morgan at second base. Here comes the pitch, and Foster takes it low for a ball. batting an even 500, six hits, 12 times up. One of his hits for extra base is a double. The 1-0 delivery. 
Taken on the outside edge for a strike. We pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is, this is WCBS New York. Hi, this is Mel Allen. Don't get caught off base because of the air freight company you use. Call Emery, the shortest distance between two points. Back into the batter's box. He's waiting on a 1-1 pitch from right-hander Figueroa. It's on the way to the plate. Foster takes it outside. Two balls and a strike. All the while, Grant Jackson and Dick Tidrow continue their deliberations in the New York bullpen. Marty, it seems as though uh, George is back in his MVP early season form. That he is, when That cost him a strike, and he is a man who very rarely argues with umpire calls, but very disenchanted over strike two call by Bill Deegan. Placid, mild-mannered George Foster, but not so in that particular situation. Figueroa battling to leave Morgan out at second. It's a 3-2 game Cincinnati in the sixth inning. The 2-2 delivery is on the way to the plate. Foster strikes out swinging. A big out for Ed Figueroa. And in the sixth inning, the numbers for the Cincinnati Reds. No runs, one hit. One is left. After five and a half, Reds three, Yankees two. Sports two, every Wednesday in the Bergen Record. It's the latest news on your favorite recreation and participant sports. It highlights on people, places, and events, starting in lifestyle sports, plus a complete listing of specialized local events. Watch for it in the Bergen Record. And if you want to stay on top of those important local and pro scores, call the Record Sports Lines for high school and college scores in the Bergen County area. It's 646-4470. That's 646-4470 for updated reports 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And to catch up on the pros, the number is 646-4400. 646-4400 for the scores of college and pro events. Follow the record daily and Sunday for expert sports coverage and opinion that takes you behind the scenes where the action starts. And don't forget to call Sportsline when you want to know who the winners are. The Bergen Record, New Jersey's largest evening newspaper. Depend on it. Remember, fans, you can enjoy year-round sports on many of these stations with CBS Radio Sports Parade of Events. Regular sports broadcasts 365 days a year. Special coverage of postseason football, Masters Golf, Triple Crown and Racing, Baseball's All-Star Game, the League Championships, and next year, of course, the World Series. That plus the U.S. Open Tennis Championships. If sports turn you on, you turn on the CBS Radio Sports Station all year long on many of these CBS radio stations. And that was a fascinating battle between Figueroa and Foster that time. George knowing a base hit will bring in a run and reestablish a two-run lead for the Reds. He had his eye gimleted on every pitch, and he would almost fall over the plate as he would watch those sharp breaking curves from Figueroa just catch that outside black rim. He disagreed on a couple. On the third, he thought he'd better go anyway, but his, he was fooled. His swing was anything but robust, and down he went. And so we come to the bottom of the six, and the Yankee crowd beginning to rise to it. It's 3-2, Red, last of the six. Here we go, Marty. Okay, when Greg Nettles will start it off with the New York Yankees. They hit in two times tonight. The pitch to him is over a curve down low for ball for strike one call. Nettles, Gamble, and Randolph. Gary Nolan, who has pitched in trouble in every inning but the second, is hoping for better things here in the sixth. Ground ball hit the second, took a big hop and goes over Morgan's head. That'll be a base hit. On what started out a routine ground ball, it took one of those weird high hops. And Nettle 
time for the base hit. Well, the Yanks can't complain about the breaks in this game. Error by Morgan on a simple ground ball. Error by Concepcion on a simple throw from first base. And that one looked like a routine out. And just before it got to Baby Joe, it jumped maybe three or four feet over his head. And so it's Nettles on first base. And it's Oscar Gamble. Gary Nolan. Sorry, Marty. That's all right. When the Yankees have talked about playing on natural grass as opposed to artificial turf, here's a pop. Gamble swinging away on the first pitch, and Morgan will play it out near second. One away. They have talked about the difference of playing on artificial turf as opposed to natural grass, and we saw a vivid example of it on Nettles' ground ball. That ball is a routine out on artificial turf. But here at Yankee Stadium on natural grass, it took the strange shot. Hitting a pebble, hitting the edge of the infield grass, whatever, to go over the head of Morgan. And with Gamble having popped out on Gary Nolan's first pitcher is Willie Randolph. 0 for 2 with a fly out and a strikeout. He swings and bounces foul off third base. Nolan has had only one strikeout, but he got Randolph looking with a breaking ball away in the fourth. And that was at a crucial moment in the game. Willie had just missed him and attempted a bump. Nettles, anticipating the play, had gone from second in the direction of third. It was an easy out. And boom, boom, there were two outs just like that. Nolan turns and throws on to Tony Perez. Nettles, who normally is not a threat to steal, does not take that big a lead. Had no problem getting back to the bag. They get Billingham and Bourbon again in the Cincinnati bullpen. Randolph, a shot to right field. Slicing, foul ground, and out of play. Two strikes on the New York second baseman. There's been nothing but activity in not only the Reds' bullpen, but also the Yankee bullpen tonight. Nice way to keep warm for the guy. Not a bad idea. We noticed out in the Red bullpen that before the game, Marty, they have about four stoves out there. Nolan back on the pitching rubber, looking into Johnny Bench. The Reds up by one run. The Yankees have Nettles at first, one out. Randolph checking his swing. Bench bluffs a throw to first base. Ball one, strike two. Gary Nolan trying to nail it down for Cincinnati. Here's the pitch. Line drive center field. It will hang up long enough for Geronimo to catch it. Two out. Stanley, who anchors the New York Yankee batting order, being sent up to the plate. But Billy Martin, it looked like, was waiting for Stanley to come back to the dugout, and we may well be seeing a New York pinch hitter right now. Stanley had gotten all the way to the plate. Finally, Billy got his attention. It looks like Ellie Hendrick being called in from the New York bullpen. We saw the same thing occur here on Tuesday night, and it's going to be Stanley lifted in the sixth inning for... In all likelihood, Ellie Hendrick as the New York pinch hitter. So Nolan, hands crossed, or arms crossed, standing out in front of the pitching mound. As Pete Rose over at third base converse with New York third base coach Dick Hauser. Over at first, Elston Howard, the Yankee first base coach, talking with the umpire over there, Bruce Fremming. So Billy Martin, who has not been adverse at all to going to his bench strength, has used pinch hitters numerous times in this World Series, while on the other side of the coin, the Cincinnati Reds 
have not seen fit to go to their bench one time in this World Series. Parky Anderson has gone with the same nine in every game, of course with a change of pitchers, but has not gone to his bench at least one time. Well, with the exception of the first inning run that the Yankees got here, that's the only lead uh, that the Yankees have had, so the Reds have held the lead uh, ever since Joe Morgan hit a home run in the first inning of the first game, so uh, Sparky hasn't felt it necessary. Sparky says that with the DH hitter in there, it's taken away his prerogative of being a strategist with the Yank and of his pitchers and in inserting uh, pinch hitters. He hasn't had to do it uh, in this game. He's been able to stay with his pitchers until they've actually been knocked out. Hasn't had to replace them with a batter. Here's Elliott. He's a left-handed batter. He's 0-for-1 in the World Series. He swings and misses on the Nolan change. The Yankee pinch hitters have not had a hit in seven times up. Hendricks failed with two on uh, out in Cincinnati in the second game. Runner at first base, Greg Nettles two down, and again, he has completely befuddled Hendricks, who takes a half-hearted cut and does not get it. Strike two. Hendricks commits himself with a raised right foot, uh, reminiscent of Mel Ott. Of course, not nearly as high, but... Unless he has gauged the type of pitch it is, he's completely off balance, and he missed both those pitches by the proverbial mind. Back with the 0-2 pitches, Nolan, and he pops him up. Tony Perez is behind first. Now he's in foul ground, and he makes the catch to end the inning. For the Yankees, no runs, one hit. No Cincinnati errors, one man left on. We are two-thirds of the way home. The fourth game of the 76 World Series. It's a one-run game. The Reds three, the Yankees two. It's James Law in a class by itself. Back at Yankee Stadium, and if the Cincinnati Reds hold this 3-2 lead for the remaining three innings and sweep the Yankees in four straight, they will merely be turning the table on New York. The Yanks beat them four straight in 1939. That was the year when Ernie Lombardi in the final game uh, was knocked out at the plate and two or three Yanks ran across. Uh, to uh, That was a never-to-be-forgotten play. They called it the Lombardi snooze, not entirely fair to Ernie. He had been uh, hit severely. Incidentally, in that game, as I recall it, or that series, Lou Gehrig sat on the bench. That was his last year. He did not play. He had left the game earlier in the year, and it was the end of his career of 2,130 straight games. It was a never-to-be-forgotten series, as indeed this one will be if it continues along the same way, at least in Cincinnati. And that's Johnny Bench, Marty. And Johnny Bench is a man who has had the big blow in this game. His home run back in the fourth inning with Foster aboard. He swings away on Figueroa's first seventh inning offering. Hits one to right field. Gamble running toward the line. Almost fell down. But he righted himself and made the catch. It looked for an instant as if Gamble was going to go to the seat of his pants as he came in to play the ball, but regained his footing and caught Johnny Bench's high fly ball. He did skid for a moment, but uh, didn't go. Cesar Geronimo is one for two, a single in the third. He bounced out to the shortstop in the fourth inning, and speaking of shortstops, the Yankees have a new one, Jim Mason. Fouled out of play. Well, he's given Cincinnati only five hits, but made the mistake pitch to Johnny Bench in the fourth inning. That had the Reds out in front three to one. New York scored one in the fifth inning. It's presently a 3-2 game. Strike two call on the inside corner, Beltai. He 
pitcher noted as a strikeout pitcher, and that's held up tonight. Figueroa has fanned one. Foster in the sixth inning, and he has gotten another one as he gets Geronimo looking. Inside edge of the plate, strike three is called. So Ed Figueroa blowing into his right hand as he stands off the back slope of the mound, working on what he hopes will be an easy seventh inning. He has gotten bench fly ball right. He has punched out Geronimo looking. He'll be facing Davey Concepcion, who's 0 for 1 with a walk. Figueroa from uh, Puerto Rico is blowing on his fingers to keep his hands warm. Gets a strike in to Concepcion. And Concepcion from Venezuela prior to the start of the game in the warm-ups had a stocking cap, a ski cap under his baseball hat. Strike two call. Figueroa moving the ball around with tremendous effectiveness. It was strike on the inside of Concepcion. It's strike on the outside. And Davey has just gotten right up into Bill Deacon's face to argue the call on strike two. He's standing out away from the plate now and pointing emphatically as he tries to make a point to Deegan. Here's a pitch. Here's a line drive. Base it into center field. So Concepcion comes up with a two-strike single to center. Hit number six for the Reds. As we go back to the top of the batting order for Pete Rose, who's one for three, a first-inning double. And those outside sweepers that have been called strikes on him, Davey just reached over the third one that came and just lined it, a tap line drive into center field for the base hit. Rose is three for 14 in this series. 214 batting average and RBI. Got all three of his hits in the now two games here at Yankee Stadium. Throw to first. Be surprised if Sparky Anderson has Concepcion running in this situation. Baby has the lead. Figueroa again throws that way. And that Rose at the plate, who rarely ever strikes out, he's going to put the ball in play more often than not. And Concepcion, who's an excellent base runner. So let's see what happens. Figueroa to the plate, and Rose with a take, a strike. Yankee bullpen is quiet, so too is Cincinnati. On the top of the seventh inning. Now field straight away for the Reds' third baseman and captain. Here's a pitch. He started to go, but held up. It was just high. One and one. This is how the Reds cost you. Sure, it's, it's just a man on first base, but he's a man who's almost a sure bet to steal. Forces the pitcher to use that much more nervous energy. Tenses up the catcher. Forces the infield in every way. Figueroa, long pause at the belt. Here goes the runner. Pitch is taken. Munson's throw to second. They got it. Jim Mason took the throw. Concepcion out easily. Goal for the Reds in the seventh inning. No run. One hit. Nobody left on. We move to the Yankees, seven. As they stand at Yankee Stadium, it's Cincinnati 3 at New York 2. You can get shock absorbers almost anywhere these days, and good ones. But when you think you need shocks, what you really need is a shock specialist to make sure you get the right shocks for your car and the way you drive. At Midas, you get a shock specialist. Who else can you trust to tell you whether you really need shocks at all? Who else can choose from five different kinds of heavy-duty shocks for your car? Who else can install those shocks in 30 minutes or less? Come to Midas. We're shock specialists. We have to do a better job.
The following is a test. Please answer all questions truthfully. Question one. Which of these do you like most? Rowboat, dentist, or police Suzu? Question two. If you and three friends wanted to take a nice trip, would you take turns carrying each other, take turns throwing each other, or buy an Opal Isuzu? Question three. Given a choice, would you attend a lecture on good posture, hurt your foot, or buy an Opal Isuzu? If you answered Opal Isuzu to all three, see your Buick Opal dealer and take a test drive. Otherwise, see someone else. We come to the last half of the seventh inning here at Yankee Stadium. What the Yankees hope will be a lucky seventh as they trail three to two as Thurman Munson with his groin and his hitting. Had the Yankees had the lead or win the game tonight, the name of Munson will be Garland with roses around this town. Incidentally, I noticed, speaking of roses, looking over the stands, the first tier of them to the right of the plate, there's a love-hate relationship. You know how close it really is. I'll read you the first sign. It says, Pete Rose, I love you. The second sign says, Bergenfield, New Jersey, hates Pete Rose. And they're exactly side by side. He must be within the same family. Well, the family of man, Yankee Rooter Division, is on its feet, has had its seventh inning rest, and they hope the Reds get none as Mickey Rivers starts off for the Yankees. American League champions trailing by a run. Marty. Rivers is one for three. A single in the fifth inning. He stole second and rode home on a Munson base hit. Takes the ball as he bluffs a bunt, or rather a strike. Deegan belatedly throwing up his right hand. He made it happen for New York in the fifth inning. They're hoping he can do it here in the seventh. Gary Nolan on the pitching mound and back to the plate. Misses with it, down and in. One ball and one strike. Now we've got a new face in the Reds' bullpen as we play ball here in the home seventh. Left-hander Will McEnany is up alongside right-hander Jack Billingham. A swing and a pop. Bench might have a play. Coming back to the screen. Still on the move and diving through the seats as he goes over the railing. He could not come up with it. One heck of an effort by Johnny Bench who dove into that pass of humanity. Down just to the left of our CBS broadcast booth, but had to battle a lot of hands and came away with nothing. And dive he did. That's the second one in this series. The first one he did get over by first base. Nolan is ahead of Rivers. One ball and two strikes. Gary Nolan pacing himself. As he walks off the mound, out toward first baseman Tony Perez, may have said something to the Reds' first baseman. Now he's on the bound. Rivers in that unique crouch of his. Waiting on the pitch, he lines one. Left center field. Geronimo Foster, it'll be Foster to play it. One down. Mickey tried to poke that one in between the fielders. The left fielder in the shortstop, but he got it just a little too high up in the air, and Foster was able to get to it. Now the red infield plays, oh, two or three steps back. They were all in tight in respect to uh, river speed. That a Roy White. Two for 13 in the series and 0 for 3 tonight. Bounce down and flied out twice. Ball to him is just high. Cincinnati getting all three of its runs in the fourth inning. New York scored first. They got a run across in the first inning, another one in the fifth. Two balls and no strikes. And at this point, Mark 
Anderson will not hesitate an instant in going to his bullpen if he feels like it's necessary. Two and nothing to count on the batter, switch hitting left fielder Roy White. Nolan takes that big, settling deep breath. Goes to the wind, he pitches, and he gets a strike in. White is not happy about that call, and I'll tell you, Bill Deegan has been the focal point of a lot of controversy tonight. Numerous batters on both ball clubs have argued calls. The kick and the pitch, swinging at a grounder foul between the bag and the coaching box. Played there on a couple of hops by former Yankee great catcher Elston Howard. Did you hear that attendance call, Marty? 56,700. 2-2 two, two the count. Nolan against White. Fly ball. It's shallow. Right center. Back Morgan. In Geronimo. Caught by Geronimo on the run. That's out number two as Geronimo had to come quite a distance for that ball, but in typical Cesar Geronimo fashion, he made it look routine. So here is Thurman Munson. And this crowd... And appropriately so. Give him a big round of applause because he has done his job tonight. Three for three. Three singles. He has scored a run. He has knocked in a run. 35 times in World Series competition, a player has had four hits in the game. The last time it has been done. In 1973, Rusty Staub of the Mets and Reggie Jackson of the A's had four hits in a game in that 73 World Series. Not only that, but Munson has five consecutive hits after going two for two his last couple of times up on Tuesday night. Dolan gets a pitch in on him and a manhandle foul ball trickles to the Cincinnati dugout. It's going to be interesting to see if Nolan still pitches him outside, whether they'll give him right field and whether Munson is able to take it. Well, every batter who comes up for the Yankees right now represents the tie and run. Reds three, New York two, with two outs in the home seventh inning. Munson looking for his fourth hit as Nolan serves up the 0-1. That is grounded foul again. And again, it goes to the Cincinnati dugout. Strike two. Nolan has not had an easy inning since way back in the second when he retired Nettles, Gamble, and Randolph in order. But here in the seventh inning, he's gotten Rivers and White on fly balls, one to left and one to center. And Ohio's Thurman Munson has a bat cocked as Nolan comes to the plate. And he chops this one foul. Johnny Bench running off to the right of home plate to pick it up. Continue with Billingham and McEnany, a right-hander and a left-hander for the Cincinnati Reds in their bullpen. patiently waiting on the mound for Thurman to get back in and get ready. He's ready and the two-strike pitch again. Missing with a breaking ball. 
On deck is first baseman Chris Chambliss, who knocked in the first Yankee run with a double in the first inning. Nolan to the motion and a pitch. Shot foul. Well, Munson was taking a shot the other way again. The right field. He's a master at that. Every one of his hits tonight have been to the right side, two of them to right center, and one sharply to right field. In fact, I haven't seen Munson pull a ball, maybe one, this entire series. They've been giving him that outside of the plate, and he's been taking it. All of them line shots. Nolan keeps the advantage at one ball and two strikes. Munson swings, hard smash, and there's his fourth hit of the game as it goes into right center field. Thurman Munson, four for four tonight. in his last six times up and you've got to go all the way back to 1924 with Leon Goose Goslin at six consecutive hits for the American League Washington Senators the last time that has been done with the base hit by Munson Sparky Anderson has bounced out of the Cincinnati dugout he is on the Yankee Stadium mound and he has signaled to his bullpen he's going to be bringing on left-hander Will McEnany to face the left-handed batting Chris Shamblin. Marty, six and two-thirds innings for Gary Nolan. He's allowed uh, the three runs, or rather the two runs and the eight hits. Six and two-thirds seems to be magic in Captain Hook's uh, dictionary because that was exactly how long he let Zachary go, six and two-thirds, six hits and two runs. And so the situation, with Munson on first, two outs in the seventh inning, we're about to have a new pitcher, the score Reds three, Yankees two, back at Yankee Stadium, and young Will McEnany of the Cincinnati Reds Relief Corps is warming up there in the mound as the Yankees have Thurman Munson on first, two outs in the seventh, they trail by a run, McEnany's previous appearance, two and one third innings, he gave up two hits, one strikeout, and allowed no runs. This in contrast to his comparative lackluster uh, efforts towards the end of the year in the regular season when his um, earn run average was some four runs plus, but McEnany's pride was touched, as he later said, and he'd been one of the two Goldust twins that Sparky could call on at will the previous year. McEnany and Eastwood, they had done the job for him, and young Mr. McEnany had done it in this series at least so far. He now is brought in to face Chris Chambliss who for a left-handed hitter, Marty, hits left-handers better than average. If you get inside to him, he can pull. We've told you a couple of times already, if you get outside to him, he can find that left-center alley. In fact, Foster is playing right practically over in left-center. They're giving him the left-field foul line. Okay, Marty. Okay, McEnany against Shambles. Pitch, check swing, ground ball, hit towards second. Morgan charges up, he throws, and that's the inning. It's ironic because it was in the seventh on Tuesday night that McEnany came on to face Shambliss. He bounced him out, Perez to McEnany covering, and this time the Springfield, Ohio native throws one pitch and retires Shambliss to get the Reds out of the seventh inning. No runs, one hit, one left, and at the end of seven full, the Reds three and the Yankees two. Winning this one four straight, they would become the sixth team in history to do it. It would be the 12th time it's been done. Uh, the Yankees, of course, uh, they're the guys that own the patent on that sweeping 4-0. They've done it six times. They did it twice in a row in 27 and 28 and twice in a row in 37 and 38. 
You know, Marty, the Reds, if they win this game, will have won seven postseason games in a row, including last year's against the Red Sox, and they rather would be eight of these seven this year. Here's Pete Rose. He was at the play when Concepcion was caught stealing in the seventh inning. Rose takes a pitch low from Figueroa. Pete one for three, a double in the first, reached on a fielder's choice in the third, and a fly ball to Roy White and left in the fifth. So the red starting pitcher, Gary Nolan, is gone. Figueroa is still out there for New York. Swing and a high fly ball. Left center driving Rivers back. He's tracking it, and he makes the catch. Bring on Ken Griffey, who's hitless and three times up. The pitching line on Gary Nolan, who right now stands to win it for the Reds. He gave up eight hits and two runs, both earned. In six and two-third innings, he struck out a batter and walked one. Figueroa serves it up. Griffey takes a strike down. 0-1. Left-hander Sparky Lyle is throwing for New York. Their bullpen out in deep left center field. Griffey butts third base side. Here is Nettles allowing the ball to roll, and it goes foul. Nettles swooped in on that ball. He started to play it, then saw the direction it was going, decided to take a chance, and it pays off as the ball goes foul three-quarters of the way down toward the third base bag. Ken Griffey, who rarely ever attempts a bunt, an artificial turf, but has been known to do so on natural grass, tried it right then and fouls it away. 0-2. There was no way they would have gotten it. It was two-thirds of the way down by the time Nettles got to the ball. Griffey is one of Sparky Anderson's proudest, uh, what do we call, products. Sparky thinks that he's had a hand, a very definite hand, in the development of young Mr. Griffey. Well, the youngster had quite a season, batting 336 to finish second in the National League this season. He has a pitch in on him. He bounces out in front of the plate, picked up by Munson, throwing to Shambliss. He got the out. Some indecision on Griffey's part about whether or not that ball was fair or foul. Munson. Here is the bulletin from News 88, United Press International report from Hong Kong. Mao Zedong's widow and other key radical elements in the Chinese Communist Party have been killed. United Press International, quoting the official China news agency, is saying Mao Zedong's widow and other key radical elements in the Chinese Communist Party have been killed. Keep tuned to News 88 for further details. Now back to the World Series. In for a strike. Morgan, a home run in this World Series in Game 1 at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati off Doyle Alexander. Takes a pitch outside. One ball and one strike. Figueroa studies a sign for Munson. Two out, nothing going on for Cincinnati. The pitch. Fastball is high. Two and one. Tony Perez kneeling in the on-deck circle. Morgan a swing, a fly ball, right center field. Hit well, but not well enough. There is Rivers, and on the track, he's got it. Mickey pulling it in at the 385 marker. The Reds are out 1-2-3 in the eighth inning, and after 7-1 and one half, it remains. The Reds over the Yankees, 3-2. On his own. 
And we have a new batter for the New York Yankees. A switch from the left-hander to the right-hander, of course, and that brings on Luke Manila. Manila three hits and eight times in the World Series as he pinch hits for Carlos May, the second pinch hitter that Billy Martin has sent up tonight. Ellie Hendricks popped out to Tony Perez in the sixth inning. Here's McEnany with a pitch to the right-handed hitter, and he misses outside ball one. Well, we should note that Right-hander Raleigh Eastwood, who has not yet made an appearance in this World Series, but has been the breadwinner for Sparky Anderson's bullpen, is loosening up. He's a right-hander. Swung on and hit hard to left. Foster got a late break on the ball, but still will make the catch. Vanilla hit that ball right on the button. Foster, reacting slowly, came in then quickly and had to reach back over his left shoulder to grab the ball. up Greg Nettles with one out. Nettles is single twice and three times up. Strike is called to him. To give you some idea how important Thurman Munson and Chris Shambliss have meant to the Yankees in this World Series, New York going into this inning was batting 233 as a team. That's a pitch low for a ball. Munson and Shambliss collectively have gone 14 for 33. Now the Yanks without that pair hitting 167 with 16 hits and 96 times up. I am inside, ball two. So Thurman Munson and Chris Shambliss have really been important to New York. Despite the fact they are trailing 3-0 in this World Series, you cannot discount their performance. McEnany a pitch away from issuing a walk. Low outside, 3-1 to Nettles. Marty, if you go back seven times on Munson's at-bat, the seventh time was that line shot that Perez turned into the double play on Rivers. That's right. Ball four, and just before McEnany delivered that pitch, Dave Concepcion moved to the first base side of second, which meant that the Reds had three players on the right side of the infield, but it was academic as the pitch turned out high, and Nettles is on with a one-out walk. Oscar Gamble, left-handed batter. He's popped to third, reached on a fielder's choice, popped out to Joe Morgan at second. The Yankees have the tying run on with one out. McEnany delivers to the plate. Gamble swings, fly ball, left center. Foster is going to be there and brings it down for out number two. Willie Randolph will step in. Hitlison three times up tonight. Randolph in the series is now one for 13. Bringing in that left-hander, McEnany, uh, McEnany, really hurts the Yanks because most of their power, even on the bench, is on the left side. Gettle's taking his lead. McEnany looks that way, throws to Randolph, had him swinging at a pitch down, strike one. Cincinnati trying to make that three-run fourth inning stand up for a win in game four and a sweep in the 76 World Series. McEnany delivers, Randolph swings, bouncing ball, shortstop. Concepcion throws to Morgan, the force of Nettles, and the Yankee eighth inning is history. No runs, no hits, one left. We move to the ninth inning, Cincinnati three, New York two. Some people go to extremes to tell you how good their shock absorbers are. After thousands of miles of driving on the back roads of Morocco, our new shock absorbers still hold up. <laughs> Tina the Elephant has been standing on our new shocks for three days. 
Aren't you chromium-plated shock absorbers or encased in a magnetically sealed aluminum cylinder, then heated to a temperature of 10,000 degrees? At Midas, we tell you how good our new lifeguard shock absorbers are with a piece of paper. It's called a guarantee. It says if anything goes wrong with our new Midas lifeguard shocks, we'll replace them free for as long as you own your American or foreign car or light truck. There are 228 different lifeguard shocks. One of them is right for the car you drive, the way you drive. The new lifeguard shock absorber from Midas, guaranteed whether you drive through the Baja or the back roads of Morocco. When it comes to what's under your car, at Midas we're specialists. We have to do a better job. One inning or a game or two, depending upon what happens. It's hot stove league time for baseball fans. It's time to rehash, talk about trades, potential trades, talk about idiots that run out on the field, all that kind of stuff. You want to make your hot stove league season more comfortable? Well, why don't you get your season tickets ahead for 1977? The plans are um, on the records for all the teams. All you have to do is make a call to any team's ticket department and have your ticket set aside. Uh, do it right away, why don't you? The businesses will find their season tickets very useful for entertainment. This preceding announcement has been brought to you on behalf of Major League Baseball. And an exuberant fan has just made a reservation for the local jail. His room is all ready, and he's on his way. One inning left in the 1976 baseball season for the New York Yankees at any rate. Trailing 3-2, the Reds now come to bat, hoping to protect their lead, and here's Perez, Marty. Here's Figueroa's pitch. It's over for a call strike. Tony Perez's bat has really been cooled off since the series shifted from Cincinnati to New York. He had five hits in the first two games. Has not had a hit here at Yankee Stadium. One ball and one strike to him. Tonight, he's bounced to first, fly to center, and grounded out Nettles to Shambles. Sparky Lyle, left-hander. Dick Tidrow, right-hander. Double-barrel action for the New York Yankees in their bullpen. Swing and a ground ball. Foul at third base. Perez taking a shot down the line, but the ball goes foul, and ricochets off the wall. Out toward left fielder Roy White. The Reds have had only six hits. And again, the big blow in this game up to this point was a two-run fourth-inning home run by Johnny Bench. After Foster had base hit at Joe Morgan home from second with a single to left, Bench homered right down the line. To make it a 3-1 game, New York threw a run closer with one in the fifth, but nobody has scored since that time. Perez behind on the ball, two strikes. The wind continuing to swirl around at Yankee Stadium. Two balls, two strikes. Fastball low and outside. Figueroa bending at the waist to get the sign from Thurman Munson, and now the break-even delivery. He misses with that one, but just by inches. Thurman Munson turns around, argues with Bill Deegan, and... Figueroa came off the mound. He's really been out of shape. He thought it was, should have been called strike three, and I'll tell you, the pitch was awfully, awfully close. Well, Tony Perez may well have gotten a break on that pitch. 
Billy Martin shouting from the New York dugout. He's not happy. And the string out. Figueroa against the waiting Perez with a payoff on the way to the plate. Swung on and fouled off to the right. And that'll climb out of here into the upper deck and foul ground. Mickey Rivers, who can run many, many balls down with that tremendous speed, playing Perez toward the gap in left center. Oscar Gamble pulled well off the line in right, but still a lot of real estate for Tony Perez to shoot at in right center field. He gets a walk on the pitch high and inside. So Figueroa, in a one-run game that has his team trailing, has just issued his fourth walk of the night. And his first since Joe Morgan walked and ultimately scored as a leadoff batter in the fourth inning. Uh, Tony Perez uh, tried to steal once before in this series and was thrown out. Dreesen looking for his first hit. He's 0 for 3 tonight. Nettles playing in shallow at third base. Dreesen looks at a head-high fastball from Figueroa. 0-1. Many, many balls down with that tremendous speed, playing Perez toward the gap in left center. Oscar Gamble pulled well off the line in right, but still a lot of real estate for Tony Perez to shoot at in right center field. He gets a walk on the pitch high and inside. So Figueroa, in a one-run game that has his team trailing, has just issued his fourth walk of the night. And his first since Joe Morgan walked and ultimately scored as a leadoff batter in the fourth inning. Uh, Tony Perez uh, tried to steal once before in this series and was thrown out. Dreesen looking for his first hit. He's 0 for 3 tonight. Nettles playing in shallow at third base. Dreesen looks at a head-high fastball from Figueroa. 0-1. We made the point earlier concerning Sparky Anderson. The likelihood that he would go quickly to his bullpen. You have to feel right now that Billy Martin would have no choice in doing the same thing. He can ill afford to allow the Reds to score one or more runs in this ninth inning and hope to come back. Check swing and a strike to him. One and one. And he continues to get Sparky Lyle and Dick Tidrow ready. Well, he's got two right-handed batters coming up in Foster and Bench, and then two left-handed batters. No, one left and then a right. Two and one. Figueroa just missing by inches on a couple of pitches. One to Tony Perez in that particular delivery to Danny Dreesen that was just high. Yankee infield, a double play depth. Perez has walked to begin the ninth inning. Figueroa, an affirmative nod of the head as Munson hangs his side. Pause at the belt. Check a first pitch. Swung out and fouled. That'll be off to the left and out of play. Two and two to Dreesen. We've had one run, one one run game in this World Series, and that, of course, was Sunday night when Tony Perez singled off of Catfish Hunter in the bottom of the ninth inning to produce a four to three win. And the Reds are in the ninth inning against the Yankees, leading 3-2 in this one.
Chambliss holding against the leading Perez at first base. Big gap on the right side of the infield for Dreesen, who can pull the ball. Here's a pitch. He takes it. It bounces away from Munson, rolling toward the Cincinnati dugout at the near end. Perez takes a turn and will hold at second base. So Figueroa comes up with a very poorly timed wild pitch on the part of his Yankee club as Perez goes to second base. Nothing whatsoever Thurman Munson could do about that one as it bounced in front of him, appeared to hit off of his shin guard, and bounce over toward the Cincinnati dugout. Three balls and two strikes on Danny Dreesen. Now a timeout is called by third base umpire Lee Wire as a first base up. Bruce Fremming walks over toward the New York Yankee dugout and he's just thrown Billy Martin out of the game. Billy Martin has just been pitched out of here. Fremming and Martin are nose to nose as Fremming continues to wave Martin off the Yankee Stadium premises. I can't imagine why that would have occurred. There's no question it was a wild pitch. that the argument first had to be directed at plate umpire Bill Deegan because of, I'm sure, Billy Martin feels like he definitely missed one pitch on Figueroa and possibly two. Now, whether the argument then went to Fremming at first base, I don't know, or whether maybe Fremming felt like he had heard enough guff from Billy Martin directed at the plate umpire. Words were exchanged in that one-on-one duel and Martin ultimately thrown out. Well, Fremming made... Uh no bones about it. It was almost instantaneous the wave of the arm. You're out. And he was a good 30 feet away from Mark. Here's a 3-2 pitch to Dreesen. Swing and a foul ball. The wind must be blowing very strongly that way for him to have been able to hear anything that Martin said. And Martin came out of that dugout after him. The other umpires came to their uh, fellow umpires of aid, pushed Martin away, and Martin is gone. Figueroa, who walked Perez to begin the ninth inning and earlier wild pitch Tony to second base. Throwing strikes to Danny Dreesen and Dreesen staying in and keeping it at 3-2 with foul balls. The right-hander cranking it up. He works to the plate and Dreesen gets a second walk that Figueroa has given up in this ninth inning. Yogi Berra is coming out of the box, and I'm certain that means that Figueroa's had it. Yogi has now taken over the Yankee management. Incidentally, the uh, management of Billy Martin is the first since all in the 60s. Uh, Earl Weaver of the Baltimore Orioles, another quick to temper manager, was removed from the premises, and now Eddie Figueroa will leave. because we've got the right-handers Foster and Betch coming up in that order. Uh, it's highly likely that Dick Tidrow will be the reliever for the Yankees, although he has not as yet made his appearance. It's difficult to see because they come on a sedan and you can't really tell until they uh, get out of the car right down here within our sight. But we do have a momentary halt on the top of the night. There are no outs. Perez on second, Dreesen on first, both the result of walks by Eddie Figueroa. 
Yogi Berra, who has taken over the management of the Yankees with the banishment of uh, Billy Martin moments ago, likely because of some calls at the uh, plate by American League umpire Bill Deegan. Although the, um, the heat has been from both benches almost equally, the Reds have complained from time to time. Perez himself complained on uh, his time at bat in which he ultimately walked. Both clubs have found fault with the umpiring at the plate in this particular game. In fact, that's the first time in the entire series that there's been any remonstrations about the umpiring at all, uh, Marty. It's somewhat ironic that Billy Martin should be thrown out of this game by a National League umpire because Sparky Anderson told me earlier today that uh, he had been told by other American League managers that umpires in this league, in the American League, take a whole lot more from managers in the American League than they do in the National League. I know that uh, the man who just threw Billy Martin out of here, Bruce Brimming, over the course of a National League season, he's going to allow a manager to argue, but he's only going to let him go so far, and if it continues, he's going to be listening to the ball game on the radio from the clubhouse. And as it turns out tonight, Billy Martin has ejected the first time since 1969 when Earl Weaver was thrown out, and tonight it was done by Bruce Brimming, a National League umpire. Well, as I said, it had to be a long-range discussion because Martin was in the dugout, and Froming is the right field umpire, and he was too thirds the way up towards the foul line. Whatever it was that Martin said, the wind was blowing in that direction because Froming heard it. He made absolutely no uh, question about what he had in mind. He waved his arms. You're out. No discussions, no remonstrations about take it easy, no coming close and letting Billy uh, jabber at him. He said, you're out. And then Martin jumped out of the dugout and headed for the umpire, but the other three umpires also headed for the field of battle and they interposed themselves between the Yankee irate manager and the umpire who did it all and Martin has left after throwing a towel in the dugout and he is now in the dressing room. The situation on the ball field, the Yanks trailing 3-2, top of the ninth, Perez on second, Dreesen on first, and uh, Yogi Berra, who's been on both sides of the league fences. He's been in the National League as a manager of the New York Mets, and of course he was a manager of the New York Yankees. They're in a World Series. He didn't win it against the St. Louis Cards, as I recall. Yogi, who holds more World Series records than almost anybody in both the new and old Yankee stadiums, is now managing or conducting whatever business needs to be conducted in this last half inning for the Yankees. As we see him standing there in the dugout as Tidrow takes the mound and Foster takes the batter's box, men on first and second, nobody out. Tidrow's second appearance in the series. He worked two innings of two-hit shutout baseball in relief on Tuesday night. He's ready with a pitch to Foster, and it's cut out and hit in the air to center field. Mickey River circling as Perez wants to tag and go to third. The catch is made. Here comes Perez toward third base, and he's going to be uneasily sliding as Jim Mason got off the throw from Rivers, threw on to Nettles, but not in time to get Perez. So the Reds once again take advantage of the weak arms in the New York Yankee outfield with Perez moving up a base on the Foster fly ball to Rivers. and holding his ground at first base, and here's Johnny Bench. The so far telling blow in this game, a two-run home run to left field in the fourth inning. The Yankee infield will lay back at double play depth. Mason pulled in toward the hole at shortstop. Sidrow will throw first to Shambliss as Dreesen steps back to the bag. 
Greeson, who's already tried one steal in the series and was cut down, I suspect is going to try to force things by going to second. And we'll have Munson with a quick look at third. Here's a pitch to bench. Swung on and hit a deep left field. That might be his second of the game. It's gone, a home run. Johnny Bench with his second home run of the night. The ball bouncing out of the stands in left field. Roy White trying to decoy him. But the left field umpire, Lou DeMiro, was out there signaling home run. And Johnny Bench has been the man of the hour for the Cincinnati Reds tonight as he homers for the second time. And the Reds now lead by four runs at 6-2. to two. That was a line shot right over the 387-foot mark, just over the bleacher wall, the retaining wall there. White did his best, but he couldn't get to it. That's the 24th time that a player has hit two home runs in a World Series game as Geronimo fouls off the pitch. The man who holds a record for most homers in a game, George Herman Babe Ruth, who hit three of them on October the 6th, 1926. October the 9th, 1928. He did it twice. And somebody in Cincinnati told me earlier, uh, Marty, that Johnny Bench has not had a particularly good year. Well, well, I'll tell you, right now, he's got to be the most valuable player in this 1976 World Series. That one is fouled away, and the count is one ball and one strike on Geronimo. That a much different type of home run. Bench had a high towering drive that hit the screen on the left field foul pole with Foster on the fourth. And this one a low line drive that just got into the lower deck and left. That one fouled out of play. This has been a catcher series. Both men have been very effective, Munson and Bench. Bench is allowed but a single stolen base. As you know, Munson has had six straight hits, but all of them singles. Bench has had the two telling blows in this game, gave the Reds the lead in the fourth inning with a two-run homer, and now on the ninth with a three-run homer. Didrell, the pitch to Geronimo, cut on and popped out of play. Off to the left and a holding count of one ball and two strikes. You can close the book on Ed Figueroa. He goes eight-plus innings, allows six hits, five runs, all earned, with five walks and two strikeouts. Runs across, one out. Tidrow kicks and throws. Geronimo swings on a pitch out away from him and again fouls it off to the left. I suspect, Marty, you can leave all the statistics to the print media now, mostly the encyclopedias and the record books, because the Reds with a 6-2 lead still at bat in this ninth inning with only one out. It's going to take the kind of a miracle comeback like the Philadelphia Athletics had against the Cubs in 29. Geronimo hits one hard by Shambliss and down the right field line. Going to the corner to play the ball is Oscar Gamble, but the ball bounces up into the seats, and Geronimo will get a ground rule double out of it. We'll pause now 10 seconds for station identification. This is the CBS Radio Network. This is WCBS New York. Hi, this is Mel Allen. If you have a shipping problem, Emory makes quick pickups, even on the telephone. Call Emory, the shortest distance between two points of all season long, and tonight in the fourth game of this World Series, it has been no different. Geronimo with a double following Johnny Bench's three-run home run that has the Reds out in front 6-2. to two. And it's Concepcion who's got a hit in two times up with a walk. He swings and he misses. Way out in front of an off-speed breaking ball. 
I don't mean to indicate that it can happen, but it has happened in that 1929 series. The Athletics were trailing 8 nothing, and the A's came up and scored 10 runs. Edwin bounced to third base. That's a fair ball. It goes by the diving Greg Nettles. That's going to get another run home as Concepcion rounds third and comes to the plate. And that is another ball that has bounced up into the seats. And another ground rule double for the Cincinnati Reds. Concepcion drives in a run. It's now 7-2 Reds. And Yogi Berra is making his second walk to the Yankee Stadium mound in this ninth inning. Nick Kidrow simply did not have it. As he has reached for a three-run blast to left field by bench and then back-to-back -back doubles by Cesar Geronimo and Davey Concepcion. And so Tidrow is leaving as Yogi Berra, then his short stint as the manager pro tem of this New York Yankee club, makes a second trip in this inning out to relieve his pitcher. And Tidrow came on with two men on by virtues of bases on balls. Uh, George Foster slide out to center field on the first pitch, allowing Perez to lumber into third base. Then speaking of lumber, Johnny Bench used his to best advantage a line shot just over the 387-foot mark, just above the leaping Roy White. Home run, his second of the game, to score three runs. Then in rapid succession, Cesar Geronimo, a two-base hit. Dave Concepcion, another one, by the diving Greg Nettles on the third baseline to drive home Geronimo. And before you could say 1976, the Reds have scored four runs in this ninth inning. There's still only one out, and we're back at the top of the batting order with Pete Rose. The ninth inning, as Marty has indicated, has been a big inning for the Reds. They won the second game that way. You remember, Griffey forced an error, got the second. An intentional pass to Morgan. And Tony Perez, a line shot on the first pitch to left center. And the Cincinnati crowd went home happy. Now, we understand Brett Musburger is down there in the Reds' dressing room. Brett, uh, what's going on down there? Brett Musburger, are you down there in the Reds' dressing room? I guess you are, but our, whatever the mechanics are of the situation, we are unable to reach you. And so, Brent, we'll have to wait until the end of the game because, obviously, it's going to be champagne for everybody in the Cincinnati Reds dressing room because unless we have a miracle, I've been telling you about the Philadelphia Athletics coming up with 10 runs, the way the Reds are hitting the ball, the Yankees are going to have to come up with 10 runs in order to get back into this ball game. In the meantime, it's Sparky Lyle out on the mound for the Yankees. He came in earlier in this series in relief, I believe, of um, Doyle Alexander. He pitched two innings, allowed a single hit, and struck out three. And so, even in his short stint, he has been the most effective of the Yankee pitchers in this series. Now things have quieted down. Sparky's taken his... Uh, warm up but now they have another momentary haul the door is open to the left field uh, exit a couple of bottles or uh, something of concern to the ground crew has come out and they're up there recovering what's on the ground and about to close the doors just to the center field side of the 387 foot mark 
a spot which will be remembered for a long time as the spot that Johnny Bench hit his ball. Here's Pete Rose and Sparky Lyle gets the first pitch over on the inside corner, strike one. Walks have hurt the New York Yankees and hurt them badly tonight. Three walks have turned out to be runs for the Cincinnati Reds in this game. Rose swings and misses at a high fastball, strike two. Morgan walked and scored in the fourth inning, and Figueroa walking Perez and Dreesen here in the ninth inning. They both scored on Bench's home run. Then came the Foster fly out to center, the only out of the inning. Back-to-back -back doubles after Bench's home run by Geronimo and Concepcion made it 7-2. to Throws a ground ball to second. Hit hard, but right at Randolph. He throws to Shambliss. That's the second out as Concepcion moves to third base. It'll be Ken Griffey, who's without a hit and four times up tonight. Raleigh Eastwick is throwing for the Cincinnati Reds. While Ron Guidry and Doyle Alexander are loosening up for the New York Yankees. Runner at third, two men out. Griffey grounds one to first. Shambliss lays back, plays. He'll beat Griffey to the bag, and that's the inning. For Cincinnati, a big, big night. They score four times on three hits. They strand one. And after eight and a half, it's a red seven. The Yankees, two. So we're three outs away from the end of the 76 season and the 76 World Series as the Reds jumping on a variety of Yankee pitchers in the ninth inning for four runs, including a three-run homer by Johnny Fetch. Now are 7-2 in the lead and the first National League club since 1922 to win two World Series in a row, turning the tables on the 39 Yankees for doing it four in a row. And we understand that the World Series hero, the most valuable player, has already been adjudged to be the guy that's hit the two home runs in this, the final game, Mr. Johnny Bench. I suspect Sparky Anderson, however, post-game will say it belongs to all nine of them, including his pitchers. Marty? Okay, we go to the bottom of the ninth inning as Will McEnany is back out there. First pitch is swung on and fouled out of play. Otto Velez is pitch hitting for shortstop Jim Mason. Well, as Lynn pointed out, Johnny Bench has already been named the 1976 most valuable player in this World Series. The last checking his swing on a pitch away, one and one. In all honesty, Marty, the Reds had not overpowered the Yankees at any point until this game and only through the two home runs that Johnny Bench has hit. The one-one delivery, swing and a foul back. Well, I would agree with that, but is very small consolation when you get beat four straight. Billy Martin has been talking about the blue pits that Cincinnati has had throughout the World Series, and at this point, I don't think anybody is going to really care about that as far as the Yankees are concerned. Swing and a miss. McEnany came in with a breaking ball in on his fist and struck him out. The, you know, I think the hallmark in this series has been the utter lack of the New York Yankee hitting. They had their opportunities here until the ninth inning. They left three on and two on. They've only had five extra base hits in all four games. Uh, you have to go with those two consequential home runs by benches being the big blows of the series. Absolutely. First pitch to Mickey Rivers is lying foul past the Yankee dugout, or Cincinnati dugout, along the third baseline. Rivers is one for four. He has scored a run in the fifth inning. Reds relief pitching has been absolutely out of sight in this World Series. They have now given up no runs in eight and one-third innings. McEnany has pitched four innings of runless baseball. Jack Billingham went two and two-third innings 
of no-run ball, and Pedro Bourbon did the same in an inning in two-thirds. McEnany, he can get his second save in this World Series. The strike one delivery of Rivers is cut on and line to third. Rose has got it, two out. The man who last year won the most valuable player in the World Series, Johnny Bench, has done it in the 1976 edition, and the Yankees now come down to their final out as Roy White steps in. And Pete was playing right in on Mickey's throat, and that ball came a mile a minute. He stuck up his glove, caught it, motioned to Mickey, and that was it. White takes the first pitch, ball one. Cincinnati and out away from sweeping the 76 World Series. White takes a pitch high. Two balls and no strikes. They would be the first to sweep since Baltimore did it over the Dodgers in 1963. Swung on. High fly ball. The left center should do it. There's Foster. And the 1976 World Championship belongs to the Cincinnati Reds. In the ninth inning, the Yankees are out in order as the Reds in this fourth game in sweeping. Billy Martin's New York Yankees do it decisively. Four in the ninth inning and a 7-2 final score. There I was. Successful businessman, wonderful family, nice home, no crabgrass. But I had to work for it all. I never actually won anything until I played budget rent-a-cars. I can't wait to win sweepstakes. Then it happened. I won. And you can too. Because every licensed driver wins one of five different prizes. Two first prizes of a brand new Chevrolet Caprice. All the way to terrific looking t-shirt iron on. Look, there's no purchase necessary and the offer expires November 30th. So unless it's prohibited in your area, play the I can't wait to win today at participating budget locations. Be an instant winner. Life is nicer when you're a winner. Sweepstakes rules available at participating locations or see our mail-in offer in national magazines. And right now at participating budget locations, you can rent a Chevrolet Caprice or similar car for only $14.95 a day, 16 cents a mile plus gas. Be an instant winner at budget rent-a-car. Cincinnati locker room with Johnny Bench. Johnny, congratulations on that terrific performance. Oh, it's been so long, and I, gosh, I can't, I can't tell you. It's just, it's been a rough year, and I just tickled, tickled to death. Two home runs, Johnny. Which one did you hammer the hardest? The first one, or the second one? I really hit hard. You know, I was looking to drive the last guy and just hit the ball hard. I can't imagine. I, I really, really, in all my years, this is the greatest thrill I've probably ever had. You were voted the most valuable player, and John, you really deserve it. I'll tell you. Thank you. I, well, you know, when you play with these guys and they've done the job all year, and then you're able to do something just to, you know, make up for everything you haven't done all year, it's just, it's just you know, a great inspiration for me and a great feeling. John, so not proud. only are you a great athlete, but let me say that you set such a marvelous example for everyone who follows the game of baseball. As someone in the media who's had to deal with all kinds of athletes, there's no one finer than Johnny Bench. Thank you. All right, Johnny, congratulations. And right now, our post-game show will continue in one minute.